This is Matt Allison, author and artist of Kankor. You're listening to 11 O'Clock Comics. You get a little follow-up on that, too. A little slapback for the doggy. Yeah, shout-out to Chance. What up, Chance? Dude, shout-out. Dap, you backing me up on this? I am, my boo. All right. You don't want to lose a second of it. Don't want to miss a That's, thing. No, we got to sop it up. Ah, yeah. That's a shitty Steven Tyler abomination song. <laughs> it's a great movie, though. Okay, yeah, it's a terrible that song. Movie, that, 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 I, no, no, the soundtrack show, Armageddon. Because it, oh, yeah, it, yeah. it hits me in the feels, especially when um, when when, when Chick and talks to his ex-wife and and he because he, he wants to see his son because probably for the last time and and she calls him back and and he's like you know I got something kind of big so you know you, you, you might be and it, it always hits like me and my brother like right here for some reason it's, it's gonna be a little late tonight honey mm-hmm. yeah. but mm-hmm. I will make a point whenever mm-hmm. I'm in the car and Aerosmith comes on and it's pre. Mm-hmm. Permanent vacation Aerosmith, and I tell my son, who has absolutely no care in the world for Aerosmith, this mm-hmm. is when they were good. And he's like, Dad, you say that all the time. And oh. he, he doesn't even care. But I, I have to make a point to tell him, Aerosmith were very good at one time, and then they sort of... They were with Columbia. They, they camped out in shit town. And, right. then, and then Geffen was like, hey. It's, you know, it's we just... could do something with this. Yeah. Well, they did make money. It, they just didn't produce say, anything I, I, good. I don't hate everything. Like I, I like, um, I like fine. I like. Uh, you know, th- th- there are a couple of songs I do like from each album, but I can't really listen to each album in its entirety. It, it's, mm. it's, it's, it's unco- like I don't. I'm not a big fan of Janie Gunn. I just there's. I throw a big blanket stuff. over it. I hate it all. Everything after like Permanent Vacation, I, I can't stand. I don't, I don't hate it all. Yeah, I, just, I like this one a lot, actually. Um, the thing that was weird about for they, I mean, they did make some coin because they were hell yeah. They were kind of one of the last groups that really capitalized on MTV when MTV was still about videos. Right. They had that string of videos, and then the Let's weird see. thing was that they had Liv Tyler, his own daughter, playing like one of the love interests. That was super weird. Kinda. Well, I mean, it wasn't like she was a love interest of one of the bands. It was just, yeah, it's like the story. No, the I know. It's, it's still it's right. little, it's little right. nepotism. She's a very beautiful girl, though. And Alicia Silverstone is in that, too. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Of she went shit crazy. And we are is not. crazy? Uh, they all are crazy. <laughs> okay. We're not batshit crazy. We're 11 O'Clock Comics, episode 600. Woo-hoo, 600! <laughs> You're excited. <laughs> Why are you so excited? It's just another episode. No, it's yes, not, though. it is though. I'm going to tell you why you're wrong later tonight. Okay, well, you always do, and I am <laughs> Vince B. You are Vince B, and I have I I have a love hate relationship with with milestones or, or anniversary issues, and and we can get into that later as well. And I am David A. Price. You are, and I am, course I of course am Death Ripper, <laughs> aka the Entrail Gargler, aka the Death. The prowls on four legs, aka the devil dog, aka the atrocity that walks on four legs. Of course, I am everybody's favorite Asgardian pup, Thori. Nice. 
I'm not saying that whole thing again. I, <laughs> I don't even remember half of it. But I will say you are not Thory. You are Jason Wood. Everybody gathered in the same building again. Not really. For our 600th episode. Wow. Never thought I'd see the day. But we're going to be saying that at 1200 too. So. It's true. Yeah. It is very true. So you, you alluded to it. It, it 600 is an, is an anniversary milestone, but it's not... 500, because people will probably remember 500, we did a six-plus-hour marathon. We did. We're not going to do that tonight. Hell no. It's essentially a normal episode, in quotes. But a few a few little surprises sprinkled in. Oh, we got a lot of surprises. Yes. Yes. The intro's mm-hmm. different. I will say that. Right. We got uh, some interstitials, right? We, we do have some uh, listener voicemails who are kind enough mm-hmm. to call in and express their love for the show. Yes, sir. But uh, lest we forget the reason... One of the reasons why we've been doing this for so long is got to tip the hat to Discount Comic Book Service for believing in us from the get-go. And, um, I mean, we did them them good, and they they do us good as well, and they are the absolute best. Discount Comic Book Service, DCBService.com, has everything you want in the previews catalog at a fraction of the price. Rejoice. Let me see. Give me an amen. Amen. Because the list of specials has been updated. Oh, and nice. I didn't even know that. Yes, I didn't right either. I, I just checked before the episode, and there they was. So I pulled three <laughs> haphazardly, but there are three good ones, I think, uh, mm-hmm. from DC. You have the Green Lantern, hardcover, volume one, Intergalactic Lawman, by Grant Morrison and the amazing Liam Sharp. This collects mm-hmm. the six issues of the uh, the new series, and it's a cover price of twenty four ninety nine, which is not bad for a hardcover of six issues. But you, yes, I'm pointing at you, are super smart, and you, Mr. DCBS subscriber, are going to get this, or Mrs., will get this for $12.49. That's crazy. It's half off. On the other side of the street, well, at least one time, Marvel has the Immortal Hulk. Hardcover, Volume 1. You get 10 issues of the new series by Al Ewing, Joe Bennett, and everybody else. And uh, $34.99 cover price. And for Marvel to do a hardcover in this day and age is kind of sort of rare, if it's not a masterwork. But they, uh, I guess they have faith in this project, and they are releasing a hardcover. You can get this bad boy for $17.49, y'all. And last, but certainly not least... From Titan Comics, it's Ms. Tree, Volume 1 Trade Paperback by Max Allen Collins and the great Terry Beattie. Uh, It says here that the cover artist is Dennis Cowan. So that's cool. Uh, I believe it's not specific, the solicitation here, but I believe it collects 10 issues. And it is the collected casebooks of famed 80s private eye Ms. Tree, the creation of award-winning crime writer Max Allen Collins and legendary pulp artist Terry Beatty. Ms. Tree was shocking in the 80s and remains strongly relevant today. It's true. So uh, $24.99 cover price, but you can have it for $12.49. That's it, hot. It's rare that a Titan, unless it's not Drouillet, it's rare that a Titan book gets slashed 50 percent off but there mm-hmm. it is you see it and right it will, there uh, it will be a future book of the month nominee 
You betcha. DCBService.com does not mind late orders or order additions, and you get your books when you want them all shipped, all nice and secure and delivered right to your door. DCBService.com. Tip of the hat. Thank you very much. So this intro will be... um... No, never mind. I'm not going to say it. Why? No, I didn't. I I didn't. Forget it. We're going to keep it upbeat. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Got to keep it upbeat. Uh, Anyone got any thank yous? We do have thank yous. We do. I have a thank you for both of you. Oh. Yes, it was mailed to me. Okay. But you're you're bumping the system here because we didn't do the drink roll call. That's true. Yes, you're so. You think this was my first shape. episode? Yes. Yes. I'll go first because this is a, um, an anniversary episode of sorts. I cannot bring water to the table. My man. So I am drinking the IPAs that uh, Dominic Navarra sent me. Oh, nice. A couple of weeks ago. I saved them for this special occasion. I'm drinking the uh, New Belgium Liquid Paradise IPA mm-hmm. and the giant 32-ounce cans of, uh, let's see, Woods Boss Oswald. That's right. Yes. So I got to thank Mr. Navarra again. Right on. Um, I, too, am not drinking water. Uh, I am drinking Guinness Extra Stout this evening because tonight's episode is so extra. My daughter calls me extra. That's not a compliment, is it? <laughs> <Mm-mm>. Okay. <laughs> At least you're not basic. That's, um, I, there's nothing basic I, about me. It be, because it it is an anniversary of sorts, um, I was very, very tempted to go with bourbon but because it is an anniversary i wanted to make sure i was somewhat coherent as the evening progressed so i decided to just sit back and enjoy a very nice cabernet sauvignon from alamos in argentina Hmm. don't cry for me no never never so back to the thank yous proper Okay. Uh, I have uh, received a package, and it was supposed to arrive before C2E2. Uh-huh. So I was supposed to give you these in person. Mm. Um, they, the letter reads, Dearest Vince, David, and Jason, thank you for your commitment to great comic conversation. That's debatable. I've been on board <laughs> from the start, and you guys are still the best. Peace and love, your friend Alexander Perkins mm. from Toronto. So he sent Ooh. these all the way from Canada. Damn. Now, I'm not going to... Uh, they are beautifully packaged. They're in envelopes bearing a ribbon tie mm-hmm. and a nice little piece of twine with each of our names attached. Um, when you open it up, it is a, again, wonderfully designed fold-out um, with glitter. It's all handmade. There's a stylized EOC logo that he did. Um, and when you open it up, there's a piece of acetate, uh, sorry, like tracing paper over it. Vellum? It, vellum, yeah. And it, they are original drawings. I got a man thing. It is mm. spectacular. Ooh. And what he did was he, uh, cut out the eyes and underneath there's a glitter heart that says, you know, thank you for everything. And when you lay the drawing down the man thing's eyes are all glittery it's pretty amazing wow yeah i didn't open yours because it is not for me to do but (laughs) rest assured you have unless you want me to you have but the presentation is so nice i don't want to open them on you 
Sure. They're they're beautiful. Um just the presentation and the design and the actual execution of the drawing is amazing. Super nice man thing. I can only imagine what's in yours, but the next time I see you, I will I will present these to you. So Oh, you, that's awesome. You got to thank um Mr. Perkins for these beautiful drawings. My man Perk. That's 100%. right. There you go. Respect. What you got, Jason? Uh, I got a package from Mr. Drew Van Genderen. Oh, you too. Okay, Me cool. Too. Yes. I got one. Oh, nice. Okay. Um, I'm assuming based on what was in the package, we didn't all get the same thing. He did. Uh, it was like a. It was like an EOC patron care package of sorts. It was. There were four com- comic related things in my box, including the Wendy Project by Osborne Fish. Uh, Your Black Friend by Ben Passmore. Uh, I love this part by Tilly Walden, which has me all kinds of giddy because you all know you all know I'm recently I'm a recent convert and discoverer of Tilly's work. And then last but certainly not least from Chaos, um, Lady Demon Hell to Pay. And he makes a note that um, not the best story, but that Mirka and Dolfo art is so, so good. So it's Mirka drawing hot devil women. So, all of, all of them look super fun. So, much much love to you, Drew. I appreciate it. I'm dying to find out what Vince got. Well, I received three books, two of which, unfortunately, I already have. But, but that's okay. That's fine. He gave me Port, uh, Portis by uh, John Abe, which is a great mm-hmm. little manga. It's in, and it's a rarity among manga because it's it's, short, uh, sweet, right? it's one volume. Yes. Mm-hmm. He also gave me The Last of the Mohicans by Shigeru Shigeura. And it's a picture box book. Which I that's that's a tough call when you you know send me a picture box thing because I pretty much have everything they ever you know released. But Giddy, uh, because I've actually been looking for this book for a long time, he gave me the House of Horror, the complete story oh, of, nice. of Hammer Films, and it is loaded loaded with nudity that is right up your alley no carolyn monroe because unfortunately she didn't do any but um you got ingrid pitt and uh stephanie uh beecham julie edge is in here and they're she they're like naked like what's going on this thing was published in boop 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 73 and it there's tons of nudity in it like i love this book and the cover is just amazing so mm-hmm. drew i gotta thank you my man this is that's a, awesome. It's so nice. I'm gonna read this, awesome. the shit out of this book. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna read it to pieces. Yeah. What about you, DAP? Uh, I received three collections. Uh, one of which is Velocity, and it is actually signed, autographed, personalized to Drew from. I'm going to believe it's Ron Mars, and the uh, the one with art by Kenneth Roquefort. And Kevin McGuire, because it collects Velocity 1 through 4 and Pilot Season Velocity number 1. Um, something I'm really interested in, especially with because um, I want to see if Bendis is doing anything from this collection in Young Justice. It's the Sword of, Sword of Sorcery Volume 1 from the New 52 featuring Amethyst, as well as Beowulf and Stalker. It collects uh, Sword of Sorcery 0 through 8. DC Universe Presents number 19. Um... And has some pretty spectacular art by uh, Lepresti, Aaron Lepresti, and um, Jesus says, and and it's just there's just 
as I was flipping through it before, it's it's extremely um, attractive. Travis Moore, Call Story on Inks. Um, and tales designed to carry an ellipses impact mm. volume one this collects uh, it's the annual it collects uh, the first five issues uh it's impact annual volume one published by gemstone way back in 1988 and i this reminds me of um when nec when new england comics was uh republic reprinting and and they collected a lot of the the non-EC public domain uh, horror and and true crime comics. This reminds me a lot of that. It is, it it does, um, um, based on the cover, I'm guessing these are EC stories. Uh, It's on that that really nice newsprinty reprint type paper and the colors are popping, even though um, it's not exactly a glossy page. But this looks like hella fun, and it looks dense because there are just text on top of text on top of panels um, throughout this entire collection. But yeah, I um, I'm stoked to uh, to dig into this. So thank you so very much, Drew. Nice, Drew coming through for us. That's true. He always does. Respectful. Yeah. So where are we going from here, my friends? I'm going to tell you where we're going to go, Vince. All right. We're going to go way back to Thursday, March 25th, 2010. Mm. Do you remember what that was? No. It was Except episode 100, my friend. I was just going to say it was episode 100. Oh, boy. Way back machine. That's right. And what was special about that episode? Other than the well, fact it was 100. We were merrily mixing it up on G.I. Joe Origins number 11 and 12, Marvel Preview number 21, and the Marvel Magazine in Essential Formats, Madame Xanadu Volume 2, Exodus Noir from Matt Wagner, Michael Kaluta, and Dave Stewart, Fables, Liberty Comics number 1 and 2, Incredible Hercules number 141, Agents of Atlas, Gorilla Man, and the Avengers, Miracle slash Marvel Man in the Century, Mysterious the Unfathomable, hmm. Larry Martyr's Bean World, Volume 2, A Gift Comes, Mesmo Delivery Service, and Hard Boiled Comic Theme Tattoos, The Marvel's Project Number 7, Steve Epting, and a whole mess more. Yeah. You're going to probably hear that again over the course of this night. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do love that little phrase, a whole mess more. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Way back in 2010, son. Look at that. Hey guys, this is Robert Nino calling from San Antonio. Congrats on the Big 600. Your show and community have been the biggest sources of knowledge and fun on this lifelong comic book journey of mine. Looking forward to 600 more. Cheers. Well, uh, synchronicity, because we have yet to talk about uh, Detective Comics 1000, and this is an anniversary episode, so 1000 is a pretty... As it says on the cover, that's a landmark issue. I'm so glad I got the Frank Miller cover. Yes, yeah, the one I ordered as well. I love it, love it, love it. But uh, big picture, we, I mean, I'm sure we'll talk about our favorites from this issue, but big picture, I had ordered this in floppy format. And after reading it, I 
was gobsmacked because there's three stories in this anniversary issue that I think have staying power that are really classic, very well-constructed, sort of timeless Batman stories. And I said, you know what? I'm going to want to reread these. So I added the hardcover to my last order. Wow. And it was a little bit of a trick, like the Mr. Miracle thing, how they, they solicited the hardcover after... Um, which, you know, it's not such a big deal when you're getting 50% off, but I double dipped. I had a double dip because I, I thought there was three stories in particular that are just amazing in this thing. And uh, I hope we get to talk about that. I'm sure we will. Well, now would be the time. Yes. Well, they, they, they hit you with a one-two punch because two of the three stories lead off the issue. I thought that uh, Snyder and Capullo's uh, Batman's Longest Case was pretty much the best story in the in the entire issue. Interesting. Yep. Uh, Jonathan Glapian on inks and uh, Mr. Placencia on cover, uh, colors. The gist is that someone has been planting clues for the Batman to find throughout the entirety of his career. He would find one, decode it uh, to a certain extent, he was given another one, and it was just like breadcrumbs through the the course of his entire tenure as the Batman. And um, he finally gets to the uh, the event horizon of this um, these clues, and he finds out that they were planted by his friends um, in a in a group that they've they've called the Guild of Detection. And among the, the members of the Guild of Detection is none other than Slam Bradley. It's like, what? That that won my heart right there. But not only that, you have Hawkman and Hawkgirl, and it was said that Hawkman is one of the world's greatest, if not the greatest detective in metal, right? You got uh, Martian Manhunter and Detective Chimp and, and Elongated Man. Um, I don't know how that works, but he's supposedly Quite dead, good. right? Isn't Elongated Man dead? Or he was in 52, but that's, yes, that's 52. Yeah. But I love the hell out of this issue. It, I thought um, Capullo, in particular, did an amazing job on the visuals. It's a, it's a great little story. And it's, it's really quick, but it's meaty. And I love it for what it is. And I love, also love it for what it could possibly be. Because the Guild of Detection could be in, they could drag that thing throughout the the rest of the DC universe forever. I thought it's a it's a very good idea. Mm -hmm. Did y'all like it? Uh, I did like it in terms of the. I thought Capullo looked great. Um, if I just take it for what it is, I was entertained by it. Um, but I'm not going to lie. I I had trouble understanding how the world's greatest detective could be played for ten plus years of his life by these jabronis who supposedly are supposed to be better detectives. Like they're already all in the guild? Nah, I can't I can't buy that. So that that was a big like it like in if if I didn't have any sense of who these characters were before reading this, I might have given it an A. But the idea that all those other DC characters would be sitting around waiting for Batman to finally figure out the clues, nah, I can't have it. He he he's the greatest detective ever. So if 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 it took him 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 long, none of these guys would even know the guild existed. That was my take on it. Hmm. Well, maybe as you said, they are all better detectives than him, which is debatable. He's right? the world's greatest detective. He's touted How as is that a, ever in question. Well, 
I'm just going by what has recently be, been said that Hawkman knew about the whole nth metal thing and the 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 whole conspiracy way before Bruce did. Right? So, ergo, if Hawkman did do something that Batman didn't even have a clue was happening, don't you think Hawkman is a little bit, uh, gets him the edge as a better detective? He had, Batman had no idea. One mystery? No. no. One mystery that, from the beginning of time, <laughs> so well, it's a stretch. Hawkman is immortal, right? He keeps getting reincarnated. So. Right. Yeah. But I get yeah. what you're saying. I just maybe they're waiting for the publication of Detective 1000. And they said, "Hey, <laughs> hey, Bats, it's your anniversary. We're going to do this now." Yeah, uh, I love this story. I think it's that great. Cool. Uh, again, absent that that plot point, I couldn't get past. I thought it was well done. That splash page with them all sitting around the table is goddamn gorgeous. Good and lord. Hawkman gets to bring his plus one because I don't think Kendra is exactly one of the world's greatest detectives, but. Um, it, it, it was definitely a story. I, it was too short, and I, I, you know, I realized that all all the stories in this are about eight or so pages. But um, I, I did think it looked great. I'm always down to see Ralph. Um, it's you know, of course, the question is sitting there. It was just, it was. And I'm I'm all for um, telling stories that happen between panels because um, obviously this is a, a mystery that that Bruce has been solving pretty much since he started as Batman and and this is the first time we're hearing about such a mystery but that's is he's we're following other adventures and and it's not like something like this needs to be mentioned every time he hops in his car but it's um. I liked it, but I didn't. I didn't love it. It wasn't my favorite story in the book, but um, it. I think it um, for for. I think it was a good story to kick off this landmark issue with. I, I, I'm not saying it set the tone, but um, the title of the book is Detective Comics, so. Um, focusing on on a mystery to kick off this book um you know maybe if this if it was a framing sequence or if it kind of like tied through some of the other stories being told it it might carry more weight with me but um as it was just seeing a bunch of dc characters some who i'm a fan of um it was neat but it didn't um it didn't knock me on my rear Okay. Well, next up, we have uh, the big surprise, as far as I'm concerned, of the issue, because I have very rarely liked anything Kevin Smith has written uh, Mm. with the Batman. Um, Mm -hmm. This uh, Manufacture for Use was written by Kevin Smith with art by Jim Lee, Scott Williams, and Alex Sinclair. Uh, This... As Jason says, this issue kind of hit me in the uh, that this story kind of hit me in the feels because I thought it was not only did it uh, depict Batman fighting the the majority of the Rogues Gallery, right? Matches Malone is in it, which is a you know ring that bell because if you have an anniversary issue of Detective Comics, you got to have Matches Malone somewhere in it, right? 
Um, but uh, the the premise is that there is a black market that exists in Gotham for things that find uh, that go missing from the uh, Gotham Police Department evidence room. And wouldn't you know it? One of the things that was stolen from the evidence room is the very gun that uh, killed Bruce's mother and father. And he buys the gun and he pays um, uh, more than he should have, but he just wants it. And what does he do with it? He uh, melts it down and uses it as a piece of body armor underneath the bat signal or the bat emblem on his chest. I thought it was, it's brilliant. And I thought it was touching on the one hand that he's using the deaths of his parents to protect himself in a case. You know what I mean? He's rallying to that cause. And this is one of the reasons why I feel one of the stories in this issue is a total abomination. But we'll get to that. Um, it's just that he's he's using that unfortunate incident as a way to shield himself from these these assholes in the world it's a great great story i thought yeah i liked it a lot and i like the like i like that and i didn't notice this until this the when i looked through it again in anticipation of talking about it tonight um when the joker sprays the poison on him it hits him right in the chest yep and and the acid is like burning and then later on, you see the, you know, the fact that he had. So, I, yeah, I liked it. I thought it was a little sentimental. It's a little bit of 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 interstitial history into a story we've seen a million times. Right. I mean, the idea of Batman, uh, you know, and, and, and how he's driven by his parents. I mean, we have probably seen a depiction of his parents being killed, I don't know, 100 times in comics and TV and movies. Yeah. So it's it. this was a nice little. Oh, OK. A little little added little piece to the. To the mythos, so I yeah. I, I, I like this too. And Jim Lee's looking real good. This was he looks, um, looks subdued. Yeah, the, it was not. It, it wasn't um, the tight Jim Lee that I'm used mm-hmm. to seeing. It was. It, it was definitely. I I like a little bit of um, of this Lucius style. You can actually feel, um, or you get the sense of the movements, and and uh, which you don't always get with. Um, with Jim Lee drawings, but you know, you, you put matches Malone in a story and you've pretty much made it the <laughs> story to beat for me. So, wow. I um, really love matches Malone. Jesus. I re- dude, it was, it's the only Riley page I almost bought. So, yeah. um, no, I, and, and I can thank Don Newton for that. Matches Malone is, is one is, is just a character who's, I mean, from, from boss thorn. It, it's just, it's from that era when I started reading, when I really started getting, um, deep, into Batman buying the uh, buying the issues with my own money instead of just you know reading the random story here and there when 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 they were actually telling ongoing stories with the characters in Gotham and Bruce moved out of the out of the mansion and and lived in the sky it was just that that whole time for me just really kind of turned me into a Batman fan I mean I'd, you watch Super Friends you watch the the Campy Show you know you everybody knows Batman but they're just and I think we all, whether you're a major fan or just you know, enjoy the character in passing, I think there's there's something, even if it's you know the the Tim Burton movies, there's I think there's something about different eras or, or, or different versions of Batman that I think speaks to to people, and there's always something that I guess that that, that fans will 
recall fondly. And and for me though, it's it's that it's that eighties era of Batman and and Don Newton and just Matches Malone. It was just it it blew my young mind that you know the Batman's going undercover as as you know just some henchman thug just wanna be gangster type guy and I, I just yeah but no Matches Malone is is that dude and um uh, for me but it was this is definitely one of um one of my favorite eight pages in this book. Cool. Right on. Yeah. Next up you got a little light tale called The Legend of Newt Brody <laughs> by Paul Dini with Dustin Wen uh doing the pencils. Derek I will say but, but before um this was oh, I'm sorry, you're still going through the credits. Go ahead, I'm sorry. Let's see. Derek Friedolfs on Inks. I'm not sure I'm familiar with Derek Friedolfs. Anybody encounter his work before? I believe he, he tends to uh to ink Dustin on um on occasion. That's really the only time I've ever seen him really that, that I recall. And John Calise on colors. There you go. I I think I enjoyed this story up until like the last four panels or so, until the last page. I dug the whole story. I, I, I dug the idea of it. Um, it wasn't exactly a... Um, I, I don't. I don't think the reveal or, or the end of it was was mind blowing. It was somewhat predictable, but it was still enjoyable, especially when you know you have the whole kind of um, behind the music type aspect of of someone interviewing Gotham's uh, underground and and villains. But um, up until up until the last couple panels, I, I was really grooving on this story, and it just it. it I don't think, for me, I don't think Paul kind of stuck the landing. I don't think there was anywhere else he could really go, but it just, it, it felt flat for me at the end. I think it's a cute story. It, it's, it, it is cute. It's fun, and it's, it's entirely, it's plausible that they all could take the guise of this, this, uh, well, let's tell them what it's about in case they haven't read it. The, supposedly... There is a henchman by the name of Newt Brody that's been making the rounds among the uh, the rogues, and the reason why he's he makes the rounds is because he's not very good. He he bungles things and and breaks things and reveals things he shouldn't reveal, and uh, he's he has gained a a uh, an infamy uh, because he's so bad. And it just so happens that the reason why he's so bad is because it's all of the Bat family. Well, most of the Bat family in mm-hmm. in the guise of this this bungling, uh, terrible henchman, and I thought it was cute. I mean, it's it's not one of the the meteor reads, but it's I mean it's well presented. I thought it's um, it's it's the one of the rare whimsical stories in this issue. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. This was um, this was one of those throwaway. I I I'm probably never going to remember the story. When a phase from memory, it, it I didn't I didn't it didn't bother me I didn't it just was there which is pretty common in an anthology, so totally fine like just just a totally fine part of the broader rubric of this issue. Oh. 
that story is followed up by uh, Mr. Warren Ellis. Yes, with, with Becky uh, Clunan. Black, Becky Clunan and Jordy Belair, who, on color, art, it's called The Batman's Design. A.K.A. the start of the preachy section of the book. Yeah, I thought it was okay. I, I didn't... It, 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 it was uh, kind of a speed bump, which unfortunately led to even worse things for me. But, I mean, if I had to rank it, this, this story would not be near the top for me. It It was... It was nice to look at. I thought the the execution was great, but I thought uh, it's it's not anything that we haven't read before. Mm-hmm. The, the The panel with Batman calling out the uh, his traps, and he says uh, F two. That's a great drawing of Batman. But I mean, you, you it's it's nice. There have been a million great drawings of Batman. Yeah, the, sure. you know this yeah. is this story. It was just okay. Yeah. I love Becky Cloonan's artwork. I always have. Um, but I agree. I just thought, yeah, it was fine. I mean, again, a story where Batman doing Batman things and seeing something in the kid that leads him to try and give him a chance to redeem himself. But right. it's fine. Yeah, it was. I like the way it looked a lot. I like. Oh, very much so. Yeah, yeah, I think it looks great. But uh, the story is a little, little tepid. I um, yeah, I, I I really can't disagree. I mean, I I'd like to you know be be the lone voice uh, standing up for Warren. We're all Warren Ellis fans, there's no doubt. But it's this is not a um, this I I would have you know if if you had asked me if we were playing a game and and you put the stories in one column and then the creative team or the writers on another column and I had to match them up and draw the lines, I would not have guessed that this was a Warren Ellis tale. It, it just, it mm-hmm. did not. Um, it's, he's, he's definitely done better. It's just, and it's, it, it's another one where I think it was just kind of maybe padded out. And I mean, there was, you know, with, with, with Batman going through everything and, and setting his, his traps, his design work is of course impeccable, but um, yeah, it wasn't, um, it wasn't. It, 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 it's not the worst story in the book, but it it's not. Um, it's really not near the top for me either. It does look great, though. Yeah. Well, when I think Warren Ellis, I think clever, insightful, right. well read. Exactly. And yeah. That's, yeah. yeah. Um, and that's that, that's uh, what was lacking. Sometimes political. Uh, yeah. Occasionally, <laughs> occasionally shocking. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, right. But just there, I I will put Warren Ellis. Uh, not on the same level, but at least the same part of the parking lot with guys like Grant Morrison and and yeah, and, and Alan Moore. You know, like Warren Ellis, when he wants to be, is a great damn writer. Yes, but he just this like many of his big two stories, he just seems uninspired. It just seems yeah. like he's just you know, I got to write a Batman story. You know, I'll knock back a pint and kick something out. It's it doesn't seem like anything. Uh, it it doesn't have that the air or or the the uh, the nuance that that most Warren Ellis stories have. Mm-hmm, it right. just seems yeah, like like a by the numbers Batman story. Yeah, I do agree yeah. with that. Gentlemen, congratulations on six hundred. This is the monster. Been here since the first. We'll be here to the last. Thanks, guys. All right. Next up. <laughs> Playing the part of Leslie Tompkins 
It's Bella Lugosi in Return to <laughs> yes, Crime <laughs> Return to Crime Alley. Written and he should hang his head in shame forever because the man is no stranger to Batman. Written by Denny O'Neill, illustrated by Steve Epting, with Betty Breitweiser on color. Needless to say, this was my least favorite story in this issue. I will go as far as to say it is an absolute turd. It's a steaming pile of poop by a man who should know better. <laughs> you know, um, it's it's basically Batman being chewed out by the sanctimonious Dr. Leslie Tompkins um, for not being more charitable, for not being more altruistic, for taking the pain of his parents' death and channeling it into rage and anger. I call bullshit because you're, she's, she's preaching to a man that has saved the world untold number of times, who has not only stopped crime in the process, but he has, by his very presence, prevented crime. And she's chewing him out for it. Like, I can't, Jason couldn't buy the, the Guild of Detection. I can't buy this bullshit that Leslie, who knows Bruce, would, would chew him out because he's not doing the right thing. And she's a doctor. What, what bothers he, me, and, and you're right, th- th- what, what kills me is this story is like 25 years too late. If this happened when he just became Batman or she was just finding out, then I could see her taking this high road. But here at this stage, at this time in their lives, this story made absolutely no sense to me. No, but I mean, look at the costume. It is, it's the Bronze Age Batman costume. So, but then you have to argue, well, Leslie wasn't this old in the Bronze Age. So why he's wearing this costume is beyond me. But anyway, and and you have these punks that that steal um, masks, Halloween masks, and they happen to find a gun and they get in Batman. Like, how stupid are they to walk up to Batman and an old woman and, and level the gun at him? What do you think Batman's going to do? Know. Like, he, yeah. he beats the shit out of them. And she's like, stop. I feel sorry for you like, because you're so, you're so mad. You're so mean. Like, stop it. Get the story out of my head. It, this, this almost completely soured my opinion of Denny O'Neill. I I like Danny's work. Oh, okay. No, I no, see, I, this I, is a I, major I, I, friggin' I that. it's that, a major a, misstep. That's some crazy talk. But this okay. is trash. This story is absolute trash. I'm not saying it's not a pile of garbage, but jeez, I don't know. It, I think we all have off days, bro. It's horrific. I mean, this story's it. It just not, it's, I'm it, not judging Denny's whole career on these eight pages. No, I'm, no, but I'm just saying. It, I, I said almost, but it, it's like <laughs> you, it's a total misunderstanding of the character of. Bruce Wayne slash Batman. It, it's no agreed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, so, I, mean, but, I mean, again, it's one story. Lots of people have whips. I can't. But how does that happen when you're Denny O'Neill? You you've written this I, character I, before. I'm not going to psychoanalyze the dude. I'm just saying, like, I can't give a six page story. I agree with what you're saying. That it was trash, but I can't. I mean, Denny O'Neill's thousand <laughs> pages that he's given us otherwise. I'm sure. Well, yeah, wrote. I was being hyperbolic, but I'm just saying, it's 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 garbage. Why? Why? Because he's Danny O'Neill. That's why. Which leads to the next story, which was um, written in quotes by Mister Christopher Priest. <laughs> art by Neil Adams. Yeah, Dave's, art. Dave's. Oh, come on! It looks good. Dave. Oh, 
Siri, now, now this is where this is where we kind of like. I mean, you were hyperbolic before. This is. It's listen. I I get it. We all put on you know those rose colored glasses. We don't we don't want to besmirch our our loves, but um, there's it's not it's it's not the coming of the Superman and it's not Batman Odyssey. It's not, it, it's, it's not the worst Neil Adams I've seen, but it's, you know, let, I'll, I'm gonna let you finish, but it's just, it's, I'm gonna let you finish. I'm, just, <laughs> oh my God. I, this is well, not, I don't get it. What, what is off about the art? The anatomy's dead on. The composition is, is solid. The, that double page with Batman squatting on the, uh, uh, behind with the temple behind him, that's a great double page spread. I, I don't understand what you're talking about. How you can say this art is not at least good? I'll say it's at least good. It hits all the marks. It's, it's Neil Adams. He knows what. Even in his sleep, I think he could he could sketch out some some panels. But as far the poses are really cool. I mean, like you said, crouching in front of that temple when he's handing Gordon the coffee cup and the cops are chilling against the car. Those are those are cool scenes. I I, I have no problem with those. It, it's some of the action scenes, like kicking off the story. It's it's those are those are a little whiffy for me. Um, and well, yeah, I, I mean, I, I got and I, I seemingly always take nitpick artists when they try and draw cars, but like I don't know what the cop's foot is resting against in that first scene against the car because it's not resting against the car. <laughs> I mean, it's not it's nowhere near the car, although it's what he's drawn as. And then with the Corvette. Uh, black car crash. Why is the blue Corvette undamaged? Like that doesn't make sense. It's a fiberglass car. It would be smashed to pieces if that black tank is smashed to pieces. Like it doesn't. Like th- th- yeah, he should have switched it up. There's, like that, that. It would have been the other way around. If anything, I mean, both cars would be smashed up in reality. So, like little things like that just kind of annoy me. If you're going to take the time to do technical drawing, then understand the physics behind the thing you're drawing. But and and it again, it's it is an eight page story. So. What what Priest tends to do in his stories, he's did it did it with Quantum and Woody. He's he's doing it in Deathstroke. He's got his whole like one panel in black with white text setting the scene. Um, and here he doesn't have the space to do that, so it's basically just you know in between panels or, or top of pages. So it 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 kind of breaks things up a little bit. But again, you know, it's just it's to move the story along. You're not. I, I don't think these are the type of stories where you're supposed to sit down and really. Um, Get you're not getting 22 pages worth of, of story out of here, so 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 we're condensing things, and um, you know I think it's neat to finally see Priest and Neil Adams working together. I, I I'm happy I got to see that, um, but then you know even even the last page though I don't think that's really a, a fantastic Batman of all the times for him to redraw heads. I think this would be a perfect page to do that with. It it's it's just it's not. It's good, Neil. Like you said, Vince, it's it's at least good, and 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 I don't have a problem with that. But it's you know when when I think of Neil Adams and I think of Batman, and granted I haven't read Odyssey, but when I think of Neil Adams and I think of Batman, is that there's a certain level, uh, there's a quality I look for, and and it doesn't, this this doesn't quite fit for me. I thought the story was a bit of a whiff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't disagree with that either. Yeah, yeah, I think I it's it's too talky. They're trying. He priest tried to cram too much into right. into eight pages. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's, you know, uh, we get that the Assassin's Guild is, is, is badass and they have been forever. But sure. I don't know. It just it seemed like the story didn't hold my interest. What kept me going through it was the art. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. speaking Wait, of art, though, yeah, which is kind of the same deal for the next story. I know, written by Bendis with art by Alex Malev and Josh Reed uh, did the letters. Um, it seems that the Penguin had deduced that Bruce Wayne was Batman a long, long, long time ago and uh, was uh, taking steps to eliminate the thing that he hated and almost did it, but he pulled back at the last minute and uh, the repercussions of that uh, incident are examined at the end of the story. I don't know if we should spoil it for those who haven't read it, but uh, I thought this was a well-written story. Uh, Splash page aside, I thought the art was... Kind of boring. As it's I Malev, as, so. as I do always yeah. find Malev's art yeah, kind of boring. It's, it's Malev. I mean, Bendis Malev is an all-time classic pairing, right? I mean, it's one of his artistic muses, so not surprised to see them working together. But uh, I agree with your sentiments exactly. Thought the story was clever. I'm, I'm down for that, right? We don't often see Batman in his end days, like g- geriatric Batman. So that's cool. Uh, but uh, yeah, but but there wasn't a lot going on. Art-wise. No. I'm going to draw the penguin's face at once and just keep repeating it over and over and over. (laughs) Well, maybe he'll smile in one of the panels, but yeah, no, it's, if, you know, if if you're, if you're a penguin. Malev is the master of Control V. It's very true. I'd I'd love me some filters, but uh, there's, um, yeah, if, if, if you're a penguin fan, then then this is your book. This is your story. Um, It's, I, I, I think the colors it, it's it's but yeah no I, I agree with you guys on on the story the the story it's what 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 Bendis was writing the story he was telling I think was um was was the selling feature here for me it um it's a good story it looks cool it is yeah, it is it's I a good story it. and, and but it's and it's this is a story and I'm not trying to pick on the previous one but 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 this is a story where I think was perfect for eight pages I mean even even the guild it's like that that was that was crammed into eight pages they they could have maybe go on into a little more on that one. A, a lot. I don't want to say a lot. There are stories in this, in this book that needed more than eight pages. And, yeah. and I don't know if, if some of the writers were just like, this is the Batman story I have to tell. And I only have eight pages to do it. Or if they thought I have the perfect eight page Batman story and maybe it got away from them, but, but not everybody was able to work within the pages. And, and it, I, I guess it, it can be somewhat ironical that if, uh, people love to say, that, you know, Bendis is the king of decompression that, you know, he was able to actually tell an eight page story in eight pages. And, um, not everybody pulled that off in, in, in this $10 book. Yeah. Another reason why I like the Snyder story so much is that could have been an OGN. Yes. Snyder, Snyder and Capullo could have expanded that to like say 128 pages. Yeah. Yeah. But he did see, he did it old school. That was par for the course in the bronze age. That was, where that, they that would just back, that was a backup story, right? But they would load their stories up with all these plot points because they only had twenty uh, some pages to tell their story. Because next issue wasn't really continued, and you know, before a certain point, 
And it just feels like one of those old-timey, great Batman stories where we got to get everything in this thing in a limited space, and I'm not going to shortchange the readers. There's a lot of meat to this, so you got to pay attention. That That's what I love. And we don't get that too much these days mm-hmm. with, with the old writing for the trade. I know, I'm certain that I'm going to be in the majority on this, or the minority <laughs> on this next story. I wish it, I was in the majority. But... Um, Jeff Johns, writer, Kelly Jones, artist, Michelle Madsen, colorist. The title of the story is called The Last Crime in Gotham, and it features a uh, mature Batman and uh, Selina. They're obviously together and producing kids because they have a daughter who has also taken up the mantle of the bat, and she's called Echo. And... um, Damien's all grown up, still Robin, and uh, Ace the Bat Hound's there too. Must be a different Ace because dogs don't live that long. But uh, it seems like also not a German Shepherd. Yeah, it seems like that um, one last crime has of sorts has been committed, and Gotham is um, crime free, and and the family can go on and and uh, live their lives as they see fit. But um, it involves the son of the Joker. Not only does he have a, a daughter, supposedly, he has a son as well. And there's a birthday party. Um, but the thing that really got me here is I love Kelly Jones. And I, I think he's great for Batman. I know Jason doesn't feel the same way. But for me, this story was all visuals. That I couldn't not I couldn't care less about the story. It was all what Kelly was laying down on here. And I love that Son of Joker panel. And I think that's a great panel. <laughs> that is that, that that is a cool panel. It's very Wrightson-esque. I don't want to cut you off, Jason. No, I was going to say, I think if you put that first page of the story out there onto the interwebs without any indication of where it was from or who drew it, it would be eviscerated by everybody. Yeah. It is so anatomically whack on so level, many levels. It's with, oh, with the, you, the signal or the one with the family. Yeah, the signal with the family. The 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 the, 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 the opening page. The, the last crime. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Oh, because the opening you, page is with the cake. But that's oh, why. Oh, okay. I'm oh, sorry. Yeah. Well, the, yeah. the splash page too. I, I, it's it, it offended me in like every way possible visually. You do know so, you're talking about Kelly Jones, right? Yes, she does. Who is does. very very and, very liberal with anatomy. Oh, yes, always, yeah. and, and and I think at other times he was a little more, at least, uh, logical with his liberalists. This this is not the Red Rain, Kelly Jones. It, it's not it's it's not the Kelly Jones who was drawing Batman. Not the same style, obviously. It's it's you know times have changed. People have gotten older. There are, um, and before I, of course. Bendis' story was nine pages. I mentioned that it was, you know, he fitted in eight, but it was actually nine. Because I'm I'm looking at the way the, the stories lay out, and this one is on a facing page. Anyway, we're back to an eight-page story, and this was... I'm kind of with Vince in the sense that I'd rather have the visuals more than the story. Whatever John's was telling... The word balloon's almost gotten away for me. That said... There are definitely parts 
in this story where I was not feeling the art at all. It's it's and it because when you look at the son of the Joker panel, the opposite page of that is Catwoman, and that's a very rough Catwoman, and 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 Gordon's face almost looks like a rubber mask, and there just there are and and you know he's he's. Kelly's going to take his liberties and, and, and as he's entitled to. Um, but this was one of those stories where it, I, you had eight pages. I, I don't, I don't know if it, you, you couldn't have known that this was, this wasn't a surprise. I don't think I, I, I maybe, you know, they didn't tell the artists, you know, we have Detective Comics 1000 coming up in a couple of weeks. Can you bang out eight pages? I, but but some of the stories in this book looked a little rushed, and 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 I can't understand really why if you had eight pages to to, to draw. I'm kind of in, in, in between you guys on this one. It's I I know again like Neil Kelly can do very little wrong in Vince's eyes. Yep, but. Um, I, I, I know Jason is looking at it objectively and I there are panels where I, I definitely lean towards Jason's eye because it's it's not I'm not in love with it. And and I you know I I should be thrilled because yeah, for Kelly's not drawing Batman with ten foot ears. It's it's great. It's a ten foot years when I think of Kelly Jones. I think of that. Like I, I guess for right. me, and I don't want to go on a whole big tangent about because obviously art is so super subjective. But I just think there's a huge difference between stylized and misshapen. And I think Kelly doesn't seem to follow any. If he wants to have his it's own rules as to what kind of an anatomy he's going to use, I'm 100 percent with that. Some of my favorite artists ever are super stylized and don't draw anything that looks remotely realistic. But I look at this or like. Larry Stroman in recent years or other guys. And I just, I I see someone who has lost it a bit and, and doesn't really have rules they're playing by now. They're just, they're throwing it down. And I don't, I I, legend or not, I can't, I can't get excited by it. I I can't, I mean, it doesn't take anything away from what he's done in the past. Doesn't take away these Kelly Jones doesn't take away that he's a seminal Batman artist for a lot of y'all. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not saying I don't like Kelly Jones as an artist, but I look at this and I think, man, like, I'd rather Kelly have just been asked to do a nice pinup, like just in the book. I don't know. Well, and I take issue with the I'm not looking at it objectively because I am, and and it's it's all there on the page. I I don't I I can't make you feel anything. But when a guy comes to the table with all the, the knowledge of Kelly Jones, and he says, I'm going to do this shit my way, and, right. he, and he doesn't draw a super attractive Catwoman, you know, that's what I'm taking from it. You know, and I don't want it to be anything other than it is. There's something kind of, I don't know if it's sadistic or masochistic about looking at each panel and saying, well, that hand's not right, or that, that jaw it shouldn't be in that position. It 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 is an image, and and you you connect with it or you don't. You move on with it. I mm-hmm. I yeah. I I don't know. I'm not going to defend Kelly Jones. I think this story looks great, but to each his it's... own. Say good night, baby.
it's 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 not that Catwoman is unattractive. It's it's the inconsistencies of it, and and the fact that um, whether Madsen's colors weren't working, it, it's I, th- that's fine if Kelly wants to you know not draw mouths in some panels because the characters in the background you know they have a mouth. Kelly knows the rules, so he can break the rules. I, I get that. I'm 100 percent behind artists when they want to do that, but on on the family page. With, with with the whole crew and the credits, you know, Catwoman's got exposed skin, but then again, that that panel opposite Son of the Joker when when, when she's petting Ace too, it's there's it. That's what I'm talking about with the inconsistencies. If if you can do whatever you want, be 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 super stylized, be be go crazy with 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 your layouts or your, your, your character designs. But I just, I would, I would like a little bit of consistency from panel to panel since this is all happening. It's not like the, these are days later. This is all happening within a short period of time. So it's, it's just, it's, it's a little happy. It's too haphazard for my tastes. Yeah. That's where I'm at too. There you go. But to each his own. Yep. Next up. The Precedent by James Tinian IV and uh, Alvaro Martinez Bueno, and that's a good name for him, uh, on pencils with uh, Raul Fernandez on inks and Brad Anderson did the colors. It's basically Bruce and Alfred talking about Bruce's decision to take in um, Dick and Alfred's saying you should give the kid a chance. I think he can be better than you. He could be the best of all of us. And Bruce is, I don't know, you know, this is, I don't know if I want to introduce a, a child to this world. And, of course, Dick already has the, the, the bead on both of them. And he's been observing or listening from the chandelier. And he proves them both. Well, he proves Alfred right and Bruce wrong that he has what it takes. And it's just a well drawn well written uh life and times of of dick grayson really because it shows him growing up and and with the titans and with uh starfire and it's just the the major beats in in dick's life extrapolating from this point onward obviously but uh, i thought it was neat and uh, the last page is super cool the last page is is awesome um that's that's the kind of image I think about when I think of anniversary stories. Um, with within these five pages, it 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 ticks off everything that I I really did. I mean, for me, Dick Grayson is is my favorite, and and for me, the best Robin. It's it's a seeing seeing a conversation between Bruce and Alfred as to whether or not they should move forward with this, and. Um, Weighing the pros and cons, I I do like seeing Alfred with um, some personality, with, with with some bite, throwing throwing it back with Bruce, which is something that not not every writer has been able to do or has tried to do. But uh, seeing Robin through the years with 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 the old Teen Titans, with with um, well, with the only newer Teen Titan with Starfire, but um, and then the where we see him graduate to Nightwing. Um, this was this was a 
this was one of my favorite stories as, as short as it was um you definitely write about about bueno's name um but yeah i i really enjoyed this this particular tale jason yeah no i mean it was cool i i don't didn't have much to add there a short story all right next up proof proof positive that, that proof Ooh. positive that uh tom king gets paid by the word it's uh, wow. it's, wow. it's yeah. Bat- Batman's greatest Damn, case. Mark Twain up in this piece, or Charles Dickens rather, uh, by, by Tom King, Tony S. Daniel, and Joel Jones, and uh, Tomio Mori on colors. I liked it a lot, but I thought it was a, a very well done story. But it's all, oh, it's a one beat story, right? It, it, there's a long, long journey to get to the payoff. I mean, the payoff is super. It's 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 great, but I I think Tom was a little. It's a little wordy, don't you think? Because the family is, the family can't shut up, and I I really, you know, in this day and age where. You read a caption box, you read a text box, and it's color coded, or it has a little, it has like you know Hawkeye's emblem or the Superman shield, or or just something that lets you know who it is the person is is talking. Um, these are all white text boxes with 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 black text, but Tom is able to. You can tell who is actually. Hey, you might have to reread it because the first page is just a bunch of text boxes and then you know you, you turn the page and you see who who the characters are that are speaking but but you definitely get a sense of who is saying what and um that's not always easy to do and and you know tom's been writing batman for, for a little while now and he um he may not have written every single character in this story i don't i mean i'm i'm sure he's he's put words in red hood's mouth and um probably batwoman too but but this was this was a story where it felt like a tom king story and mm-hmm. it was cool to you know see the family together it, 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 I, yes it, it was definitely very cheesy um but it's um it wasn't it, it was this was this was definitely again. This is another story where I would expect to see in a um, in an anniversary anthology. It wasn't. Um, it doesn't um, set up a new arc. It doesn't wrap up an ongoing story. It's just it's it's a night in in Bruce's life because you know what else does Bruce do when he's not Batman? He goes and visits mom and dad, and then you have the whole family taking time out of, of their schedule to, to just hang out for a few minutes. And, and I thought that um, this was one of those stories where I was, I was, I'm glad to see it, it's um, it's not earth shattering. It's, it's, it's not like uh, any sort of event is hinged on these moments, but it, it was a nice family moment that, that I got a kick out of. I don't know. It was, if it was the, uh, decision of the visual stylists but i think using 
giant splash pages in a story that is this dense mm-hmm. was was not a very good uh, decision because you could have they could have achieved the same result if they had interlaid the dialogue with the family with Bruce going to the grave like you see his foot in you know on grass and then you see part of his silhouette and going into the cemetery gates you know what i mean like that giant splash page with bruce in the rain in front of the wayne mausoleum that's a lot of freaking text for one page sure you know it's yeah i I don't disagree with your i mean this is one probably because i am such a fan of tom's writing that um like i the the little things here put me over like the it was wordy but the conversations kind of cracked me up like mm-hmm. I loved when he's like, uh, you know, you're not the greatest detective, and he says, "Sure, but I got to be at least like the third. <laughs> and then dead man, he's like, "You're the eleventh greatest." It's like, and we're like well, I'm at least above ace. Then they're like, "Well, for counting ace, you're twelve. So it's like, you know, that's good. That's okay. good shit. Talk like that's something yes. brothers would say to each other. You know. Yep. So I, I like that. But yeah, I mean, listen, it, it's an anniversary issue, and and it ends with the splash page of him and his family. Like, and, and it, I don't think it's lost on us that Tom has Batman saying cheese, recognizing that it's cheesy, right? Like, it, it, that's the point, right? Like, it's it's a pure nostalgia bomb, so. No, I, yeah, I'm not disparaging the, the production. I think it's a good story. Yeah. I just thought the execution could have been, like, for Tony Daniel, who has come a long, long way. Yes, I'm glad you said that. I agree. Yeah, I mean, that, that splash is just... Uh, yeah, it's it's excessive and it's it's overblown, but it's great nonetheless. I mean, Batgirl, oh my god, holy mm-hmm. crap! But you know, th- just to have all of your work being covered up by all of that that text, it's you know, it's 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 hard for a brother out there. But I I I think it's a good <laughs> it's a good story. It's just I think it's a little. The the uh, the pacing and the execution could have been better, right? But and then you get a, a splash by Mikhail Yanin, which is great, and another one by um, Jason Fabak and Brad Anderson. Holy crap! That's that's just amazing. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. just a, really nice. Uh, Amanda Connor and Paul Mounts do another one, and then you get the uh, the last story. Which is is wonderfully illustrated by uh, Doug Monkey, and it's in a, in essence it's a the the one unresolved story in this entire issue because it leads into Detective One Thousand and One. Right, so and just and, like the one from Action Comics One Thousand. Yeah, it is the story of the Arkham Knight and why he thinks Batman's not good for Gotham and and he aims to change that and we don't know who the Gotham Knight is or well we we kind of know why he is but we don't know who it is or where he came from and I think that's going to be a selling point for this story they're probably going to drag that along for a while till we get to find out exactly who's under that that metal mask but it, it uh, visually I think it's it's a, it's a, a virtuoso performance by Doug Monkey I think it's great but it's a it's a teaser, you know, for for what mm-hmm. comes next. And it's it was written by Peter Tomasi, uh, Doug penciled it, and Jaime Mendoza and Doug Monkey um, did the inks, and uh, David Barron 
did the colors. Um, like I said, it's it's a home run visually, but there's it's really just a tease. Right. Yeah. I think the Killer Croc page is the best one in the, of the bunch with Batman riding Killer Croc. And he's got friggin' rebar hanging out of him. <laughs> oh, my God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what did you guys think? Yeah, that no, was good. It was good. I mean, I, I'm not... This, for me, was a, a standalone, oh, it's a thousand issue. I'm going to get it and see what's doing because it's a big big anniversary issue. I, I, I don't see myself... I'm not drawn in personally by the idea of... of like, I'm not planning on reading 1001 and beyond, so... Mm. Um, so it's fine. I mean, I, again, again, I'm not saying it's bad. It's just not, I haven't been reading Detective. I, you know, I get, I get my fill of Batman from from Tom's book. So yeah. Well, I don't know. It may it may not help the case, but Kelly Jones is working on Detective. Oh, I don't no. I don't know if he's do, just <laughs> doing the. I don't stop. I don't know if he's just doing the covers, but Kelly Jones is associated with Detective. Doctor Jones. Yeah. The um, th- th- this reminded me of that there was in in Action Comics 1000 only because it. it came out last year and and sometimes you just have to i guess feel this need to to compare it reminded me of there was a um and i think it was gleason who who drew those pages but there was a um there were eight or so pages of superman through the years and his different eras up to present day and that's where i thought this particular story was going even though the text didn't really match up to the images, um, and then as I get closer to, to the end of the, to the end of it, I, I realized it was it was setting things up for for what was next. But um, yeah, I I I've always liked Doug. There's there's been no problem with with, with Doug's work as far as I'm concerned. I I, I think I prefer maybe with, with Christian Alame making him, but here. Um, just images of, of him in action versus various rogues. I I dug that part of the story. Um, if you want to call it a story, but no, I um, yeah, it's weird. I'll probably I won't read one thousand one when it comes out, most likely. But if 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 I find it in if I find a few issues in, in a sale. Or, or you know, or been diving. If I'm in the mood, I'll see what it was about. But um, like Jason, I didn't, I didn't read this, these 96 pages, thinking I was going to add Detective to to my order each month. Mm-hmm. I'm going through this last story, and with every page, I just hear the cash register. Kaching! Could you imagine? How much Doug can sell these pages for? It's going to be insane. Uh, they're they're just gorgeous pages. They but um, in the end, one lives, one dies. Even though I enjoyed it, I think Detective One Thousand was uh, far better than Action One Thousand. I agree with that. Um. Oh shoot! Pound for pound, I'd have to. I. I, I don't. I. I know that. There were definitely some action comic stories, stories in that action comics one thousand that that were a whiff for me as well. But I don't, I don't know. It, it, it's like you know, action to me felt like they were trying to rip me off for ten bucks. Oh, this okay. didn't feel like that at all. This, 
I mean, I, as we just talked about, we just spent forty five minutes talking about this book. I, sure. I don't, I don't think every every story wasn't like a home run, but I didn't, I didn't feel like this was packed with filler, just because they needed to throw an anniversary issue together, and I thought that with action. Okay. I'll have to revisit it. I it, it, for me, it's it's like when we have to rank the latest Marvel movie, and it's you know, fresh mm, right. in our minds. So just yeah. you know, got to think about the other nineteen that came before sure. this. I'll I'll flip through action, but um, I mean, I didn't and I didn't I didn't keep track as we were talking about them to to know what the ratio was. But um, I think also with, with with action because of who the creators were on the book, um, a lot of it was probably I, I'd be voting with, with my heart more than. With my mind, mm-hmm. to some degree, but um, yeah, I don't. You know, net, net, now I'm like the little girl in the taco commercial. Why not both? But it, it's <laughs> you know, it's uh, it's it's still Batman. He's he's had some fantastic creators working in, in Detective Comics over the years. They 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 weren't all tapped for this. Uh, those that are still with us weren't tapped for um, for this book. But I think um, I think it hit some of the points. It's it's I. It, it, I could probably drill down and, and nitpick and, and think about, you know, what, what does that particular story have to do with detective? And, and was it just an excuse to get this character? So overall though, I, I, um, I ain't mad at it. It's, it's, um, there, there is, there is more good than bad, even, you know, and, and the bad is stands out quite a bit, but, um, it's, it's not a bad book by any means. Yeah, I saw a lot of people in our Facebook group uh, asking who read it, and it seemed like the ratio of nonplussed to enjoyed it was a little bit more than 50-50 towards the didn't care for it or were disappointed side. And I, I said, well, we're going to talk about it on the show, but I will tell you all, I think some of you had too lofty an expectation. Because I, I think it was – I'm not going to comment on the cost of it because, like, I don't really know how to – I don't really know how to factor that into books today these days. You know, I, I like anyone that says $10 for a, a comic book is too much. I, I, how can I argue that? Like that's right. Like, you know what I mean? Like, so I have to, I have to dissolve the, uh, the price from the equation. Always, you know, Always. I mean like, and, and I, again, if you're listening to this and think that's crazy and you can't, I, I get that too, man. Like, listen, we all have to, we all have budgets, but, but, but I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to weigh the fact that it costs 10 bucks for or against it. I'm just going to say that for an anniversary issue of which we've had, like, I think there's a lot, you can compare this to other anniversary issues a lot easier than you can say, is this worth a 10? Is, is this a $10 comic? Because there haven't been many $10 single comics. Um, and so absent that, I, yeah, I think it delivered. I, I mean, I think it was, it was as good as any, I, like, I'm, I don't know that there's ever been an anniversary issue that's basically a, a loose anthology about the character that I've ever thought, oh my God, this is one of the greatest comics I've ever written. I don't really think they can be because of the form factor. So as a nostalgia so piece, yeah. yeah, as a nostalgia piece that brings a lot of old and new creators that had a role in the character's life span, I, yeah, I, think, it, I think it hit the mark. Yeah. But if you pay $10 for this issue, you're really not doing your research. Well, you're not, no, that's true. You're not that's, doing due diligence, and and you're being you're being you're squandering your money because you could have got it for five bucks. Mm-hmm. There's um, we told you how. Yep. Every day, every week. Um, price never is factored in, in into my reviews because even if I pay ten bucks for it and Jason paid five, or if I'm back issue diving and, and you know Vince gets it, for, it doesn't. The, the, 
the cost of the book doesn't change what's in between those covers. So it, yeah. it's never, it, you may feel some kind of way cause you spent 20 bucks on a trade and half yeah. of it was crap, but it, that's that, that has, that should not have any effect on you looking at the story, the writing, the art, the, the package itself and, and come away with, with, you know, how does that story make you feel? Sure. Not, not how I don't tell me how you feel about spending the money on it. Just tell me how the story made you feel. And, and that's, yeah. so I don't, I don't care. You're never going to hear me say, I didn't like it because it cost me 50, but I'm not going right. to, I'm not yeah. going to review showcase number 22 sure. because I spent, I spent a grand on it and thinking, well, that was, you know, those 12 pages sucked ass. Right. I don't no, stop. Yeah, I was going to say the only time that that I do let that kind of thing bug me is when I feel like they're legit. And and frankly, I got to be honest, Marvel's the most guilty of this when they try and 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 rip you off. Meaning, like you know, in an eighty-page special issue, there's a thirty-page reprint of a comic from nineteen seventy-seven that we could read on Marvel Comics Unlimited for free. <laughs> they do that a lot, and I, and I think yeah. that I find offensive. Or like you know, a four-issue limited series that they want to pad to five or six issues, so they they throw the origin comic in at the back, but without even telling you the solicitor. Like that that stuff I find offensive because cause like just charge me cheaper for the trade, right? Like give me a four issue trade and charge me thirteen ninety nine instead of eighteen. You know what I mean? Right. That I find offensive because that's just pure financial chicanery where they're literally trying to take advantage of their very loyal fan base, um like solely to almost to trick them. But stuff like this, nah man, like no. you knew it was you knew it was ten dollar cover price the second you saw the solicitor, the second you walked in your LCS. Yeah. So you can't like, you know, you got to make the decision. And and again, I'm not going to begrudge anybody who looked at this and said, Oh, I can't spend 10 bucks on a comic. I totally right. get that. Like I, that's your, that's every, you're ever right. To but if you look at it from a production angle, all new art and story by a bunch of creators with no ads, it, it had to have cost a good amount of money to produce this issue from yeah. on DC's end. Like the, the these people get no paid, right? So, well, right. I mean, you figure everybody involved is either an OG legend, which I'm sure they have to probably break the bank to get them to do something, because I'm sure for some of you probably feel some kind of way about DC these days, right? And then, like you said, all of the current people involved, including especially the writers, are their highest paid and top producing people, right? Like, so on a page rate perspective, this book was hella expensive. Yes. Hello, gentlemen. This is. Wade Kapanke on assignment in Stoughton, Wisconsin. And I was just calling to say congratulations on 600 episodes and thank you for the countless hours of entertainment that you have provided to me. Uh, you three have changed the way I read comics and the way I enjoy comics. Um, you have opened my eyes to things I probably never would have read. So thank you so much for the week-in, week-out entertainment and the fun you provide me. Thank you again, and here's to another 600 episodes. Great. Neil doesn't come cheap. Nor do Tom or Bendis. Right. So, look at it from that way. I think mm-hmm. it's it's almost a bargain when you consider it's it's close to 100 pages for 10 bucks. Uh, if if you're silly, 10 bucks. But, you know, we paid 5 and uh, you know, and Frank Miller cover and all the what was there eighty some col- covers for this issue? There was, oh, there was, there was a bunch because yeah. you had some some retailers had had exclusive. I mean, there was there was the through the decades the standard variants were, were through the decades. So for nineteen thirties, you had Steve Rude, 
1940s gave you Bruce Timm, 1950s by Michael Cho, 1960s by Jim Steranko, which was a nice book again to the action cover, 1970s by Bernie Wrightson and Alex Sinclair, 1980s by Frank Miller and Alex Sinclair, 1990s by Tim Sale and Brennan Wagner, the 2000s by Jock, and 2010s by Greg Capullo and FCO Placentia. So um, those were your standard variants, and then there are variants depending on where you shop and um, probably Loot Crate and God knows who else, but there are a ton of covers for this issue. I have the Frank Miller one coming from DCBS. The copy I have in my hand was from the LCS just so I could have it to read and which would probably go to a patron, but um, the main cover didn't really wow me, but... um, when it when I looked at who, just like I did with the action covers, it, it's you know based on who did what, what was the era, um, and and which one spoke to me, and and you know when I think of Batman in the eighties, it's you know based on those choices, it's Miller was pretty much the one to beat, and um, you know Rude does a great Batman from the thirties, but it's not like Rude was drawing Batman in the thirties, and uh, even show with his version. In the fifties, I thought was kind of neat, but no, I, I I had to go with Frank. It was just really was no contest. So there you go. Our look. Wow, at we that. spent an ungodly amount of time talking about that comic. We did, but I, you know, I, <laughs> I I think it deserved it. I really do. Well, the fact that it's our anniversary, and the fact that it is the anniversary issue of arguably the most important comic book character in in you know or at least one of the top two or three depending on you know where you stand but but clearly one of the so there you yeah. go there you go so you want to talk about the second most important character in comic book history uh not before i tell you what we were doing on thursday february 16th 2012 Vince. <laughs> was, was that a thursday do tell it was indeed wow okay i know crazy right really uh i know it's crazy um it, that was our episode 200, Vince. Why are you 200? telling me this? <laughs> well, because because I was we were having a conversation. 200 down and a lot more to come! Exclamation point. This week we crammed a whole lot into our bicentennial episode, including Criminal, Last of the Innocent, and Fatal by Brubaker and Phillips, Dennis Hopeless, and Kevin Mellon's Love Struck from nice. Image, American Barbarian by Tom Scholey from Ad House. The Gary Friedrich Marvel Fallout. <gasps> the Mask from John Arcudi and Doug Monkey from Dark Horse. John Severin. Skinner Everyman is My Enemy Woo-hoo. from Ginkgo Press. <laughs> Critical Hit and Zero Friends. Jonathan Ross and Tommy Lee Edwards Turf from Image. Smoke Signal Number 1 featuring Ben Mara, Michael DeForge, Bill Griffiths, Harvey Picard, Tony Millionaire, Charles Burns, Sam Henderson, Sleeper. Venom, Circle of Four, Peter Panzerfaust from Curtis Weeb and Tyler Jenkins, and a whole mess more. There you go. And you may be wondering why the current show notes are not as detailed as they have been in the past. That is because of Apple. iTunes does not allow us to ramble on uh, like we have for the show notes. So they, there's a strict amount of characters you can use in, in, in show notes. So I, I'm i reluctant to write them twice. I, I, I had 
been doing that up until a certain point, and I would strip out the uh, the actual creators for the mm-hmm. iTunes review. Now I just do one and and copy and paste it between uh, Libsyn and Apple. It sucks, but that's the way it is. You know, I'm, if I could change it, I would. I don't understand why Apple has this restriction on text, which if we're talking bytes, it's it's the the amount of bytes is negligible for the text. Yeah. But they 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 want to curtail it to four hundred and or whatever some characters. So uh, that's what we do. I just wanted to give you guys some insight as to why the uh, show notes have have changed over time. So you go look at that a little behind the scenes peek behind the scenes. Yeah, but the second most important character in comic book history, Wolverine. You're close. Uh. Dreadpool. Oh lord. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> this uh, uh, last week speak on it. Now I'm fired up. Yeah, last week saw the release of Major X number one, written and drawn by Rob Liefeld, with uh, embellishment by Rob with Adelso Corona. Yes. And, yes. Shout out to my homie. And Dan Fraga with yes. color art by Romulo Fajardo Jr. I I cannot look at this issue. I'm trying, but I can't look at it objectively. I thought it was fucking incredible, but it's so silly. It is it's ridiculous. There's another alternate or sideways dimensional future where where mutants have finally shed the oppression and the hatred and they exist in this uh let's call it a compound called existence x uh, hyphen instance which is 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 presided over by someone called the essential he 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 or she it's not made clear have unified and protected the mutants of the future and everything's great right everything's wonderful no more oppression we can all live out our lives and there's prosperity and nobody hates us woohoo we're so great but the existence is crumbling the the very place the the land where this this um group resides is is falling apart and things are happening and and somebody is causing a major upheaval. So you have Major X, who rides around on a bike called the Mother Bike. Which and is- obviously, <laughs> obviously, Rob has read the New Gods, but that's okay. Of course. It's all right, right? And the, oh, the, yeah. the bike has the ability to warp jump, uh, not only, I mean, across dimensions. So the, the shit's hitting the fan, the, the place is crumbling. Mutant X decides to rev up the bike and hit the warp drive. And Hank McCoy, which is a decidedly different Hank McCoy, he's not blue. Yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't think it's – it's like McCoy. they keep saying, like, is this you, Hank? And they call him McCoy, M-apostrophe-K-O-Y. Right. So I'm thinking it's either his offspring or like a clone or some kind right, of – Right, right. Yeah. So Hank hangs on the bike and he's threatening to throw up and they make the warp jump. And they where do you know the – Major X and Hank McCoy come smack down into Professor Xavier's School for Gifted Youngsters, specifically in the Danger Room, and X-Force is there. And Major That's right. Era, the best era ever. Yes. And Major X takes out not only Shatterstar and my boy Cable, but he takes out Domino. 
This wears some bullshit. Right <laughs> <laughs> nah, you know what? Real talk. Real talk. <laughs> the fact that the book opened opening page is a nice big close up of my girl Dom. I'm like, all right, he's got me. Yep. Yep. And uh, so they have they they come to blows, and Major X takes out Cable pretty effortlessly. Yeah, like a bitch. But he, come on, he makes very specific points that you are essential to the future of mutant kind, my man, being the best mutant ever. And I can't really harm you, but I got to. You, you have to listen to me. Shit's going down, man. And then who comes but the most overused mutant in X-Men history, Wolverine, throws down with Major X. And Major X has a sword, right? And Wolverine's like, what is that? wait, you got a sword? And Major X is like, yeah, and it's made out of adamantium. Not any adamantium. It's made out of the adamantium we took from your dead carcass because this is your bone, son. And they fight, blah, blah, blah. It all comes to a head when Dreadpool enters the picture. Dreadpool... Before you go, before you continue... Yeah? You cannot overstate the bad acidness of what just you, you just said to people in case they didn't follow. It's a fucking samurai sword <laughs> made from the adamantium of the dead Wolverine. I know, right? Isn't that awesome? That is the most metal... 90s era shit that we have seen in a long ass time. I know, I know. So Wolverine is essentially fending off his bones when he's fighting <laughs> Major X. Um, and in comes Dreadpool. Who? Yes, Dreadpool. It's a, de- <laughs> it's a Deadpool. Rob took the design for Deadpool and gave him shoulder pads and pouches and shit. Yep. And <laughs> he has a contract out. To take out Major X and Cable. So these guys are essential to the future, right? So they're fighting with Dreadpool and it's nuts because in pops Deadpool on the mother bike. And so Deadpool fends off Dreadpool and then Dreadpool says, you know what? I'm out of here, you assholes. I'll come back and kill you when I feel like it. And, and then Major X, and I don't think we should spoil it. Major X reveals his identity to everybody, and Cable's like, I knew who it was all along, because he's Cable, right? I'm surprised they, they Which did is, the reveal in the first issue. I, I thought that would be the mystery of the book, as soon right? as Major X. Yeah. yeah. But I'm so, after the penultimate page, Cable's like, yeah, go ahead. We, I know who you are, but let everybody else in on it. But then the last page... Cable's supposed to look all surprised. It's like, but wait, why are you? It, I love Rob. It's and and this is this this. Oh, watch yourself. I just said I love Rob. Yeah, but you said it like that snarky dap way. Like you don't really love. How him. is that? That's not even a thing. So you have <laughs> this. It's it's nothing but balls out. Page after page Correct. of action. It's yeah. crazy. It's nuts. It's if um, you know, there's there are a lot of heavy books on the stands these days from the big two everything's everything's got some drama to it and not that there isn't any here because there are some there's there's some great stakes but it's still just it's it's rob playing with the x-men and and you know that's for a lot of people that's that'll cure some ales and and there's yep. there's yep. some there's some stuff in here that 
you know, you'll you may shake your head at it and just like that that makes no sense, or I don't add that. But it's still just in in the moment in the story. This is this is telling. It's it's all believable. It's it's there's nothing in this that you know you you would have had to wrap your head around or try to make sense of if you tried to explain it back when when Claremont or Lobdell or or, or DeCienzo or anybody else was writing the X books. It's it's nuts and. It's um, yeah. I I didn't know. I, I I read it and I I had a lot of fun with it. I was just I really didn't know what to expect. I mean, the solicits. I don't even bother with those. But when when I saw this yesterday, I was like, yeah, no, this is um. How often do you know? Do do, do you get a a Rob written and penciled X book? So. Well, Bad Blood was the last time we got the graphic novel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he, well, he, but wasn't that by Sims? Wasn't that that was the um, he didn't write. Yeah, he didn't write it, but he drew it. Right. right. Yeah. But Rob is only drawing the first issue of this. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Corona's he, doing he, the rest. He, I don't know. He may no. be doing. He may be doing the last issue, but Rob is not penciling every issue. Okay. Yeah. Because when the solicits came out, I was like, oh, I'm down for this. And then I saw issue number two was not drawn by Rob. And I was like, okay, I'm going to wait till the trade comes out. Um, but I it's thought... Brent, Brent Peebles. Right. Oh, Peebles. Nice. Okay. Yeah. That's that's not bad. I mean, there's there's nothing wrong there. It's This was... Um, no, I... Um, no, this, this shout out to uh, to my boy Wimmer. Because I got hooked up with the code. So I was just like... Yeah, I, yeah. It, it, as soon as I got the code last night, I, yeah, I was like... Yeah. I realize that uh, I'm going to get a lot of hate mail if I imply that Rob is bigger deal than Kelly Jones, but but, but <laughs> why I'm you got to go that. there? That's just no, wrong, but, dude. No, but here's the thing. Here's the thing, though. Just to follow up on the conversation about why what I saw in that Batman book bothered me, I recognize and I have always recognized. Anytime we talk about Rob, that for some people they just dislike his art, and that is your prerogative. I totally get that. It is what it is. I'm not telling you you got to like anything you don't like. But to me, this is kind of – I want to juxtapose this against what I was saying about Kelly, which is that this is what – this is a raw book. This is how he draws. This is how he tells stories. So you knew before you opened it, if you didn't like him, you weren't going to like this book. And you knew if you were a fan of him and nostalgic for it, like me or you – you were going to enjoy the book like this. I didn't open this and think like, oh, this isn't like this isn't Rob. <laughs> or this is a, this is like or oh, Rob really phone like th- this is Rob. Like this is what exactly what you expect from him. Good or bad. Right. Like love or hate. And that's kind of what I was getting at. Like, I don't think that story in Detective looks like what I expect when I see. Oh, Kelly Jones is doing a Batman book. That's all right. I think Rob looks great here. I yeah, think, well, I again, think, I mean, I, yeah, I agree. I mean, I love, I love Rob's style. I mean, I just, yeah. I think it's, I think it's, yeah. I, you could just feel the energy in this book. It's just like you guys said. It's just over the top, dumb fun. Like it's just, it's, it's his. Listen, it's his comfortable spot. It's yep. his happy place. Yep. Right. I, th- I, I mean, think he, um, he's branching out a bit with the layouts, and it's, it's more power to him because I think some of these pages are just exquisite like the the page with the the mother bike running up the side of the panel mm-hmm. and do we know who all those mutants are in that montage like i don't know who i am I'm, I'm nowhere near as well versed in in x-men history as you but i don't know who ha- a lot of those people are no 
I mean, I got to look. I don't have the book open. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just a montage of of yeah. of uh, supposedly or assumedly mutants. And I just, I, Rob, this is a home run. The, the the page with Wolverine coming into the 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 fray is just great. Like I have absolutely no qualms with this art. I think. It's I, I mean, I would kill to own some of these. Yeah. Right, yeah. like Dreadpool. Like what? I would, I would want that page where where Dreadpool is. Oh, uh, you're talking about where they're with the bike going up. The, no, I don't. I, I think most of these are not known to us. Yeah. So yeah. he's just he's just making they're stuff just future, up. Future future mutants. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. I like that. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. Um. Absolutely. I'm glad you guys enjoyed it too. Oh, I loved it. I loved it Sweet. so much. Yeah. Well, come on, my boy Cable's in it, and he's essential to the future. How am I going to hate this book? That's true. Love it. I'll, so is 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 Young Cable not your cable? Like you won't because he's in comics and you don't read those. Um, oh, X Man. Yeah, I. No, Young Cable, the new the new Cable. The, yeah, the, the whole age of yeah. I don't. I'm not down with it. I don't know. Oh, that's not that. That's not the age of X Man. That that has nothing to do with Nate. Nate is in it, but that's separate. Yeah. Nate is oh. Nate is Nate. Right, but he was, but but isn't that who who X Man no. was back when Steve Scrooge? Yeah, was, yeah. Was, oh, yeah. X Man, but okay. Young Cable is Young Cable, different. Oh, yeah. I don't pay attention. Holy to that. shit! Young okay. Cable's Cable coming back to kill Old Cable because Old Cable never did the job he was supposed to come back and do in the first place. Holy oh. shit! Okay. No, if you're talking Young Cable, I'm totally down with Ascani Son, but this this stuff I'm not even paying attention to. You mean Ascani Son? That's right, Son. <laughs> Yeah, so, I love it. By the way, because this is nice and short, on January 23rd, 2014, <laughs> so five years ago, we did episode 300. Who's but saying? episode 300, the solicit was short and sweet. And why is that, Vince? What, what, are the, what are the solicits that you do that are the shortest? When we have a guest. No. Oh. I'm talking about even shorter. Oh, we were talking about an X book? <laughs> no, when it's the O'Claskers. You don't want to give away oh, the winners. Oh, that's right. Yes, three hundred was the O'Closkers. Yes, it was. Look at that. Yep. Hey guys, this is Hoffman, and I would like to wish Vince, David, and Jason happy six hundredth anniversary. Thank you for providing six hundred great episodes and wonderful, wonderful community to everybody. If it wasn't for you guys and the show, I wouldn't have made some of the great friends that I have today that share my love of comics. And so I really appreciate what you guys done for us. Thanks. I have a game for us to play. Oh, uh, boy. I I know Vince started us off by saying it's just 600, just another episode. It's not a big deal. I disagree, sir. Oh, emphatically. I'm going to tell you why. Oh, you will. I don't have an official runtime for our history of our show, but I... I'm comfortable in saying that we've we've produced at least, and I emphasize at least, 1,500 hours of content. Mm-hmm. Now, you may be saying, like, okay, cool. I didn't realize until I started looking into this what a profound amount of content that is in the grand scheme of things. So I'm going to play a game with you guys. I'm going to give you iconic things from pop culture. And I'm going to ask you if they produced more or less content for the peoples than we have. Okay. This is cool. I like this. Okay. Now, I'm going to start off easy. Okay. Gunsmoke. Gun <laughs> I'm going to 
Can you let me do my game? Please? Okay, go ahead. <laughs> Stop stepping on my dick. <laughs> it's a big dick. Okay. It really is. Survivor, the reality game show. Oh, shit. Have We've we, produced have more. we done more content, or have they? More. We, we have. We have we, done we've more. We've done more. That is correct. Yeah. Survivor, over 19 years, has produced 560 episodes. Has it been 19 years? Holy 401 shit. hours of content. We have crushed them. Yes. Rightfully okay. So. This one's for Dap. <laughs> Doctor Who, including the old series and the new series. <laughs> the, the old series? <laughs> yeah. You know what? Do, do, uh, go ahead, Deb. You guess. See, I would. It's weird. I, I, I want because it's been going on for so long. I want to say, if it's very close, Doctor Who has had more produced, but I don't know how long those old seasons were, and if they were full hour episodes. No, they weren't. They were half hour episodes. So it's. Right? So uh, an a- an average story would be like an hour and a half. And it would take, you know, five episodes or, or and six episodes. like maybe eight or ten episodes in a season. So that's, 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 that's. No, I think we crush Doctor Who. I do too. I really want to say we do. You are correct. Doctor Who, up until this last season included, has produced 368 hours of content. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah. Wow. Now, Take that time, is, Lord. Now, we obviously have crushed the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but I just want to emphasize to people, we have given you all 33 times more content than the Marvel <laughs> Cinematic Universe. Wow. And yet you've paid them roughly $10 billion. <laughs> yes. <laughs> now, is, is that with the post credit scenes or no? <laughs> post credit scenes, yes. Okay. All right. I'm going to make it a little harder now. All right. Okay. The Simpsons, which oh. is the longest running, serialized TV show. What has yeah. it been? Twenty six years, twenty five years. How many? Twenty nine years. Twenty nine years. At least twenty twenty half hour episodes a year. Yeah. So no, I think we crushed The Simpsons too. I don't know if we've crushed. I, I still think we've done more. Vince is right. Believe it or not, because every episode is only twenty two minutes of content. 240 hours, that's it, to watch wow. the parody of The Simpsons. Now, here's one I thought was pretty cool, and I was legit surprised by. Saturday Night Live. Oh, boy. An Ooh. hour and a half that's every That's an week. hour and a half. How many years? 43 20? years. Holy shit. And an, average, and an average season is 26 episodes? No, less than that. How? Less, yeah. <laughs> Well, no, I, I still think we beat it because that would only equate to maybe – it's under 600. Right, because we're, we're every week. Yeah, yeah. No, we beat them. We have beat them. Saturday Night Live has produced a roughly – this is – I had to kind of guesstimate this one because I didn't have an exact runtime, but 1,200 hours of content. Nice. That's great. Isn't that crazy, dude? We produce more content than Saturday Fucking Night Live. <laughs> Take that, Lauren. That is dumb. <laughs> Good old Lauren. You shit about Lauren Green. Here's one for the Dappy Do. Yeah, I'm just going to tell you this one because you're. We we have produced more content than every Star Trek TV series combined. Absolutely. Original, Absolutely. animated, TNG, yeah. DS9, Voyager, Enterprise, Discovery, 
and I don't know what the fuck this is, but it's called Short Treks, which was added into the... Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 537 <laughs> hours of Star Trek. No doubt. No doubt. I don't know what okay, the, here's the one. fuck this is. Here's one. And, and this is WrestleMania weekend, so it's fitting. Oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, have we produced more or less content than Monday Night Raw? Oh. Hell, yeah. Well. Uh, Easy. It's, but okay, it wasn't. They were two hours for the longest time, and it's been going on since. They were one. They the, were one, the, and then two, and then three. Right. Um, and it's it's since what, like ninety three? I don't have the start date here. Um, and as of as of last week, we're we're at how many hours? If I told, oh, what do you mean? No, our our show. Oh, over fifteen hundred. <sighs> Yeah, but see, they're not. They're on. They're on every, every week, huh? Yeah, but we wow. do. We do sometimes multiple episodes a week. So I would. Right. I yes, would definitely yes. say we're more. Oh, this one actually is is pretty tough. I. I know we've produced better content, but um, less fights. <laughs> well. <laughs> Now, yeah, it's only three weeks, but yeah. the uh, uh, <laughs> shit, equal man. amount of awkward silence, though. Uh, yeah, um, you know what? I think I I think Raw has beaten us. Dab is correct. Raw has produced one thousand three hundred forty-eight episodes. Three hundred forty-nine of them have been uh, one hundred twenty-nine minutes, three hours. Uh, Two hundred eight of them were. Uh, one hour episodes, forty three minutes each. Seven hundred ninety one of them were uh, two hours eighty six minutes. So grand total of two thousand and thirty three hours of content. Or on your tails, though, Vince. But it, if you things. if you total all of the output from WWE and the previous incarnation, like I remember Saturday mornings, like Raw. Oh yeah, of course. Well, that, that would have been too easy. I, I if I said. I mean, WWE yeah, has because they also have SmackDown, Smackdown each week. And, yeah, yeah, Saturday night's main event. Main event, sure. I, I was just trying to because that it was, it was they were bigger than I realized when I did it. Um, okay, uh, Jeopardy. Oh, see, that's hard. Jeopardy's been out Trump a long Trump time. It's exception or just the Alex Trebek? Okay. Mm. And that's that's a half hour, five nights a week, twenty four minutes an episode. Yeah, I, I'd say they beat us. Yeah, they they crush us. Yeah, yeah. 2,892 hours. Wow. They've produced over 7,200 episodes of, of Jeopardy. Ay, ay, ay. All right. I will give you uh, uh, one more and then we'll call it a game. Because this is as big a pop culture icon as we are. Jerry Springer Show. Oh. I have no. <laughs> I have. No, I don't. I don't <laughs> Those know. Are long. Those are long. But. Are you are you just including first run episodes or like every, okay no no I mean it, it's not like every day, oh, reruns so. yeah because I don't know if that has seasons I don't you know so it I does don't. very much have seasons okay all right see if you said Morton Downey I'd be I'd know and for the record it, it is it is stopped recording all the things that it's on every day but it's reruns now right I don't know I, I'm going to go out on a limb and say we beat Jerry Springer. I want to say we beat them too. I so desperately wish that were true, but we oh. have not. Oh. Jerry Springer produced because I say produced because it's over. Produced three thousand eight hundred and ninety-one oh. episodes. Wow, for, for nothing. 
for almost 2,800 hours of entertainment. Oof. We're not. Uh, yep. But uh, pretty cool, right? Yeah, it's a game. Uh, that was great. Four to five more times content than Seinfeld, that punk bitch. We produced uh, 15, no, 18 times more content than that whack show Friends. Whack show. So. Well, how about Gunsmoke? You didn't, you didn't do Gunsmoke. I didn't do Gunsmoke. You should have. We beat it. And Bonanza. And Mash. <laughs> <laughs> we pretty much beat every like every scripted show. Nice. Yeah. We're Pretty not cool. We're not better, but we beat them. Oh, uh, well. We're not honest. better than some of them. We're not better than the Honeymooners. It's not happening. And no, so my, don't. My agree with let's, let's, let's keep it going on a high note. Don't. So, yeah, I thought that was fun. Don't go there. All right. So let's talk about more comics. Please, let's do it. You said that you read all the comics this week. All of them. Dude, I, I read so many damn comics. I read so many graphic novels this, this last two weeks. Um, it's kind of bananas, actually. Uh, you want to touch on one or two of them? You or I got stuff I can talk about. Yeah, what do you got? Yeah. Um, well, all right. The first one I want to talk about is uh, uh, Polar by Victor Santos. So Polar started off as a webcomic back in, I think, 2012. Um, is this what the Netflix movie is based on? It is, which oh, I heard was terrible. I haven't seen the movie. I heard I it's a terrible movie. But um, it was a webcomic, and then he it was with no dialogue. Uh, and then he started putting the same content out through Dark Horse in collected editions with dialogue. Um, I had the first volume from years back, but they I think because of the Netflix movie coming out a few months ago, they ran one of those DCBS deals where they were re-releasing all of the hardcovers, uh, including a new one, and then including this one. So all told, another six of them. I bought all six recently. I bought the other five of the ones I didn't have uh, through DCBS a couple of months back, and they just arrived last month. Um, this one is the most recent, but I read it first because it is the zero issue, basically. It's a hardcover, but it's the origin story. And that is uh, Polar the Black Kaiser. That's the 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 story is is it's a spy. It is a uh, an older, more like a Sean Connery aged, um, world's best assassin, and he is known as the Black Kaiser. And each book is an adventure. It's uh, it's it's spy noir. Dap, you would love this. I mean, this is if you're a fan of Bond. I mean, this is steeped in that. Um, but. I chose to read this one first just because I figured I have them all and this was meant to be the origin, so why not start? So this is the sixth volume, but essentially the zero volume, Polar the Black Kaiser, written and drawn by Victor Santos. And let me tell you something. Victor Santos is a goddamn tour de force. He is, I mean, he is incredible. I mean, he is like, he is like the love child of Risso and Darwin Cook. Um, I don't even know how old the old the gentleman is. He may be an older gentleman. I don't know, but uh, but it's it's just it's so awesome. And, and and in this book in particular, I don't know if this I don't know if this volume veers from the other volumes in any way. But I can tell you that it also reminded me of Sin City, like Frank's work. It's it's he plays with black and white and negative space throughout it, where like a lot of the panels are all black, and then the character is white space, you know, or with just like pops of red for the bullet holes or for blood or for action sequences. 
Um, it's super, it's super action packed. It's super violent. And he draws women beautifully like Darwin Cook style. I'm talking about, you know, very curvy, big eyes, big, you know, big smiles. Um, it's, it's, it's Bond-esque in that it's, it's dirty. I mean, he, he just like Bond, he, he beds every woman, even the ones that are trying to kill him. Um, so it's basically killing action and loving all in the name of protecting our country's national security. Uh, and there are some panels here. I mean, I wish I, I couldn't even do them justice. Like there's a panel where, um, a girl he's sleeping with is caught in the crossfire and the middle of the panel is this giant black silhouette of her very shapely body. And then, and then all you see in it is you see white lace panties drawn in and then throughout where her skin would be, that's all blacked out. You see these red drawings of action sequences of, it's just like incredibly smart graphic design built into this book. Um, and I read it, it, I devoured this thing. Uh, and I can't wait to read the next volume. It was so much fun. Um, and man, I don't know where this book's been all my life. Like, like I don't, I mean, like I said, there's six volumes of it. I don't know anybody that ever talks about this book, but I'm going to rectify that because this was dope AF. So yeah. So the, the books are all under the polar moniker and this one is, uh, the black Kaiser, but, but Victor Santos is a goddamn art beast. So you need to, if you like, if you like titties, ass and spies, this is your book. This I kind of do. Yeah. Yeah, well, you don't really like spies so much, though, Vince. I think I do, though. The titty and the mass might make up for for me. No, I, I, I like spies. Okay. Yeah, they're mammals. Okay. All right, and then before I hand it off to you, I'll take another one of these, because I have like eight graphic novels that I could talk about. Oh, but um, Wow, I mean... No, you can. Got to save some space um, to talk about, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> this is from Fanagraphics. <laughs> Fan of graphics, Come on, I know you're excited. Fan of such a dick. <laughs> this is uh, by Rupert and Mulot. It is a French bande dessinée brought over to the U.S. by our friends at Fantagraphics. It is called the Perineum Technique. If you know what the perineum is, it is the basically the muscle that keeps you from. It's the muscle that loosens, such that it allows you to ejaculate. Yep. I got so, one of them. Well, I would hope so. Yep. Uh, basically, and so if you're into tantric sex, or if you're maybe a two-minute man and you need to help with not being a two-minute man, um, they will recommend that you do perineum exercises, basically trying to tighten that uh, that muscle such that you can hold out longer. Uh, the female counterpart would be Kegel exercises. But uh, in any event, this book is... Um, in essence, an artsy look at the sexual mores of an internet-driven society. It is one part eyes wide shut, one part uh, you know Tinder, but it's basically a story of a dude uh, who is having an online affair, uh, a very torrid online affair with um, a woman he met uh, online. And he is desperate to meet her in person. She is uh, not feeling that for a long while. It is He continues to pursue it. Eventually she acquiesces and they meet. And they start a physical relationship. And then she goes away for four months. And during that four months she says, if you want to see me again, you will not ejaculate for these four months. <laughs> so he spends the next four months living his life without ejaculating. And it drives him nearly clinically insane. 
uh, and then they rendezvous and uh, let's just say things erupt. But, uh, but the book now I'm selling the book short from an artistic perspective because um, the book takes a lot of very interesting visual um, ebbs and fl- little takes like visual cues and, and turns to help illustrate what's going on in his mind as he's dealing with this uh, abstinence, including hallucinations and deep fantasies and, uh, you know, very graphic sort of depictions of things that uh, aren't actually happening, but uh, it is, it's a great, it's a great story. It's, it's uh, needless to say an adult story. Um, it's relatively straightforward. I don't, I don't think there's any deep message here, but uh, I was fascinated by it. I thought it was really well executed and uh, yeah, it looks, and I mean, it's not like anybody was asking for a book about a dude who doesn't ejaculate for four months, but if you were ever curious what that story would be like, Perineum technique is your spot. So I, I very much enjoyed it. I, I like books like this. And, uh, you know, maybe I'll give you their more, uh, their more um, uh, uh, eloquent uh, description, which is uh, Fanographic says that perineum technique is a contemporary med- meditation on seduction and intimacy in our era of hyperconnectivity. Playing skillfully with visual metaphor in lieu of sexual explicitness, Repair and Lulo invite you to follow them into a charged maze of emotional head games as experienced through the subconscious of a young romance. So definitely two thumbs up for those of you that like to read the sexy time comics. That sounds Ooh. good to me. Seriously. Mm-hmm. Bring it. Happy Doctor Who Day. No, that's not right. Hold up. Happy Big... F- no, not Big Finish. Happy 600 EOC. This is your boy, Rod. But please bring it. I know it's time for you to bring it. Well, I got to give you a little bit of backstory. Because in 1972, the greatest comic artist that ever lived or will live put pen to paper and released a portfolio of plates called Jack Kirby's Gods. And there was four plates, and it featured a quartet of, um, well, you know the names, Balder, Hiamdal. Um, two you may not know. One was called Sigurd Dragonsbane, and the other was a mace wielding dude named Honir. Um, they're the Aesir, right? So Jack released this portfolio, and when Dynamite did their Kirby Genesis event, they uh, got Rob Rohde and Alex Ross to write a story around the characters depicted in this portfolio with nothing more than the visual depiction of these larger-than-life Kirby characters. They have crafted a tale called Kirby Genesis Dragonsbane. Now, I am an unabashed fan of what Dynamite did with the Kirby Genesis stuff. Your mileage, of course, may vary, but uh, I thought this four-issue miniseries was awesome. And it's it's totally old school. Um, the central figure is, as I said, Sigurd Dragonsbane, uh, who got his surname. He earned it, actually, after he felled a dragon called Fafnir. Now, all, this should ring a whole lot of bells to you, right? Mm-hmm. So Sigurd dwells in one of the Mythlands we all know as the famed Valhalla. And he he's there with the rest of the Aesir. 
You got Heimdall, Baldur, uh, all familiar names, but um, and then there's Honir. But so the Mythlands have been cut off from each other. There was an event called the um, the Great Shattering, which, while on the one hand it laid waste to all of the Mythlands, like Valhalla is now in ruins, but it cut them off from other Mythlands, um, the Greek and and so forth. So, what do heroes in Valhalla do when they don't have anybody to save? There's no rights to wrong. What what do you what do you do right? So here's the rub. The the great shattering cut off the myth the myth realms. Sorry, um, and these Aesir have nothing to do but you know be with each other. And when you're a hero, that's kind of tough to do. The actual mythlands myth realms were there's a a, a mist called the fell mists which which enveloped all of the mythlands and they couldn't see across their borders to see like hey you know that cat needs to be saved from being in that tree so they're bored right and what does sigurd dragonsbane do when he has nobody to save well he thinks about his life and he actually lost his wife to a a, a dragon and he's been, you know, out of sorts ever since. So he wakes up one morning and, and uh, Baldur's like, yo, dude, the, the fell mists have been evaporating. We can actually see what's going on out there. Well, let's go out and check it out. So they all go out. And while they do that, they get uh, an, a, a, a woman kind of materializes because she's, she's made of mist. And uh, she says, yo, I need your help. Here's the deal. I'm a princess named Tamina. And my lands have been ravaged by a complicity of dragons. And to make matters worse, they've imprisoned me in this, this sarcophagus, put me below ground. I need your help. Oh, and by the way, one of the dragons, in fact, the dragon that leads this complicity is is Nagar, the one that took your wife. So I, I need help. So what's Sigurd going to do? He's not going to sit by. He's going to be like, hell yeah, I'm going to help you out. He, Of course he's going to help them, right? So with Heimdall and Honir and Baldur, they go out and they try and and they're, what they're doing is they're traversing the myth realms in order to save this princess. But along the way, Baldur's like, Nah, you know what? This is not adding up. Something's wrong here. I, I don't think we should believe this princess. And Dragonsbane's like, what do you mean? She's a princess. We got to help her out. And besides, the, the freaking dragon is the one that took my wife. We got to do this. So you see where this is going, right? Ultimately, the four-issue miniseries is, is a journey across all of the myth realms leading to the complicity. And along the way, our merry band team up with Ulysses. Yes, that Ulysses. They're turned into pigs by Circe. They fight a giant cyclops and a blue djinn. Um, someone in the group, I won't say who. Someone's a frost giant. Um, there's a she-demon that joins the party. And Balder was kind of right all along. It's, it's a great miniseries. And it, it's all 
born from four images that Jack Kirby created in 1972. Like, if there's anyone that you want to have at the helm of a tribute to Jack Kirby, it's Alex Ross. Sure. Right? I thought this miniseries was great, and it was one of the books that I scored at um, C2E2 for a, a lousy five bucks. Nice. Yeah. Like, I've I've spoken on Kirby Genesis before, but I didn't go into the tie-in series. Like, I don't think I talked about Captain Victory or Silver Star, but I will because now I have trades of all of them. And I don't have to go dragging my issues out of, you know, boxes to do it. But I thought this issue was great. Um the art is by Fritz Casas, and it's it's decidedly old school. It's it's very ornate and very detailed. And and Alex did the the art direction, so he's he's looking over Fritz's shoulder as he's doing the work. So the work is of a of a very specific quality. You know, it, it's not Kirby esque, but it's it's very ornate, and very detailed, and it's very fitting in with the the character designs that Kirby has created because they're busy as hell, right? I mean, I love Jack, but Balder especially, he's he's got shit hanging off him all over the place. But it's beautiful, right? And it's it's Kirby and it's dynamite. So, of course, I'm going to love it. And uh, if you see this thing, you know, for cheap, pick it up. Um, don't go spending cover price for the issues because, eh, whatever. But if you can score it on the cheap, it's a it's worth your time. I thought it was is a lot of fun. That's awesome. Yeah. Yep. What'd you read, Dap? Oh man. Um, there was. Is there anything that really? Um, Did you read Criminal Number Three? Not yet. Um, me neither. Okay, good. I, I just got it today. <laughs> My box came today, actually. Um, no, I, I picked it up. I brought it with me to um, uh, to Jason's uh, before C2E2, but I did not get a chance to um, to read it. Uh, still, I did... Oh, see, no, we already talked about Major X. Yeah, there wasn't there wasn't a whole lot new because, um, and I have Bronze Age Boogie right here. That's going to be my new travels. I didn't I, I didn't go too deep into that yet. Um, Talk about wordy. I, I did, yeah. Um, you know, what? I did. Um, there was a number one that came out yesterday. Um, that was. A little weird. Some of it, some of it, I, I I dug the um, I dug the idea of it. I dug the plan. Um, Marvel released a new volume of Marvel Team Up, and it's written by Abe Ewing, who is writing Ironheart. Um, and the art. What was neat about this first issue is that it's it's basically it's like a flip book. Um, which I thought was really cool because this particular Marvel team up um, brings us Spider-Man as any Marvel team up book should and Miss Marvel. Um, and so one side you start off reading um, Peter Parker's morning and, and, 
with his roommate, um, Randy, and Peter has to get ready because he's going to, um, uh, he's introducing an old friend and uh, fellow doctor. Well, although Peter's not really ESU, rescinded his, uh, his degree due to um, a plagiarism charge, which I believe is what kicked off Spencer's run, which I'm about to read. Um, so he's going to ESU cause he's going to introduce his friend who, who has a, um, who's, who's created a, um, a device. She, she's a, uh, she's a polymath and, and basically she has a device that will, um, basically transfer memories. Um, so we start off one side of the book with Peter getting ready and then we see it from from his point of view. The flip side is Kamala getting ready to go to school, and she's taking a field trip to go to ESU to see um, the uh, Doctor Rosario introduce her invention. Um, but then, of course, that's when our heroes team up. I dug that idea. I, I dug that concept. Um, but I think where it falls a little off for me, I think Eve does a great job writing Kamala and her classmates don't really think she's got a good handle on Peter. Um, even though he is presented as an adult and is, um, it's not really exactly the, the best looking Peter I've seen either the art is by um, Joey Vasquez. Uh, Felipe Sobriero is, is your uh, color artist, but um, the kids, the, the high schoolers, they, they look great. I think Joey has a good hand on, uh, got a good eye when it comes to kids. The adults are a little, not quite there for me, but Peter's dialogue, Peter's conversations he has with Randy and with other people, it's it's a little not immature, not not really. It's it's just it's doesn't really ring true for me. And um but hey, if 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 you're a Miss Marvel fan and you're not really keen on Spidey, um I feel for you. But there are um you know, then this may be the issue that, you know, you you give it a shot and and maybe it works for you and, and that's fine if 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 you're cool with, with with the way this Peter presents himself, I think the Spider-Man part of it is is pretty cool. He's quippy, um, but as far as this this Peter Parker who, you know, ran his own worldwide business and um, had it all and and had everything going for him, it it's doesn't quite hit it for me. But um, the story and any other part is a little weird is, is that because we were reading each character's story on its own and then they meet in the middle, um, where the story ends is, uh, even though you still get a full issues worth because of the way you read it, it may feel like, you know, the story ends in the middle of the book and, and it's like, so, so that felt kind of quick, but it really doesn't when you, when you look at it in its entirety, all these, um, you know these the these twenty odd pages. You do get a lot because the jackal shows up to uh, steal the device. Um, 
and instead of uh, having it misused and fall into the hands of, of people who she doesn't want using it, um, she uh, instigates a, a self-destruct. Um, so while Spider-Man is trying to defuse it so it doesn't explode, um, he doesn't make it in time. It explodes and the issue ends with um, Peter in Spider-Man in Miss Marvel's head and Miss Marvel in Spider-Man's head. So they um, they basically it, it's a Freaky Friday kind of thing, which I think is is a pretty funky idea. Whether or not this you know reads like maybe a, a a Marvel Adventures or an All Ages book, I can't say, but it's um, it's it was fun, and it's it's a, it's a Marvel team up. So I'm definitely giving it a shot. I, I'm in for the first few issues at least, but it's um, I don't know if it's going to continue as a Spider-Man and series, or if it's um, if it's either going to be Miss Marvel or if other like the Kirkman series from. A bunch of years ago, if, if if it's going to just be different heroes teaming up every issue, but I, it was weird. I I, I went in wanting to love it because it is a Marvel team up title, um, but it just as much as I'm enjoying Eve on Ironheart, and like I said, I I think Miss Marvel is is pretty spot on compared to what you know after what G Willow Wilson did and now what Saladin is doing. Um, I have no problems with that. It's just something about Peter's just, just not quite there for me, but um, I'm not going to guess as to why that may be, but I thought it looked pretty cool. The action's pretty, pretty solid. Um, I don't think I've read anything by Joey before this, um, but yeah, I, I um, if you weren't, sure about it and, and you know you had you want to give another number one issue a shot after reading major x then uh you could do worse than marvel team up number one hey guys this is trey um i just want to say thank you guys for all your positive uh conversation about the comic book industry and that you know you guys have really uh clued me in on some new books that i never would have tried um congratulations on 600 and i hope you guys have 600 more all right Bye. It's, uh, just so you know, it, it is it is a Kamala book. Okay, cool. That's good. Yeah, yeah. They're doing the Spider Man I, I think smartly so. to to sort of pass the baton. But I I had a feeling it yeah. was, and I don't know mm-hmm. why. Yeah, it, that's all kinds of wrong. It's not. It is. What's if it? if if you have a Marvel team up book, it should be Spider Man. That's silly. But call, that, call it but, something else. No, but you already had you had the well Kirkman's Marvel team up book wasn't a Spidey book, yeah, which is probably why it only lasts like fifteen issues. But you um, you you already had you had back when we were reading back in my day you had Amazing and Spectacular and Marvel team up when that was canceled you had Web up so Spidey always had his three books Spidey's got like he fucking books right now. He doesn't need also Marvel team up. That's besides the point. Um, legacy Man, factor. Marvel team up should be Spider Man. Call it something else if you're going to do it. There's there's no I, reason I just, to. Why? It's just a title of a book. Like I don't like. 
it doesn't. I don't understand why it's got to. Well, happen. well, if you do a Marvel two in one and you don't have the thing in it, it's just wrong. It, it, call it something else. You, 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 are you that unimaginative? You can't come up with a title for a book. But they need to reuse the titles to protect the IP. Right. Well, as, on a business side, yeah, great. But no. But yeah, totally spe- weird, Sarah. No, I was going to say before you, like, because I wasn't planning on talking about this, but I just want a quick 30 second here. Uh, I've been reading Guardians team up with Holden uh, before he goes to bed uh, on Marvel Comics Unlimited, just oddly enough. And I have to say, um, it's a lot of fun, man. It's like all one-off, one issues, and uh, they're a blast. And and the it only lasted ten issues, by the way, for people. Uh, but the the tenth issue, which we read uh, two nights ago, yeah, two nights ago, is uh, Rocket and Deadpool, and it's uh it's 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 our buddies at Team Revival. It's uh, written by Tim Seeley with art by Mike Norton. Oh, neat. Yeah. Yeah, from 2015. So but if you have Marvel Comics Unlimited, you can read it. Otherwise, I wouldn't know how you're going to find it. But yeah, it's a lot of fun. Speaking of Marvel Team Up. Yes. Yeah. Jason had uh, asked our, was it the Facebook group or the patrons? The patrons. The slacks, patrons. The patrons to pick a book, a single issue for us all to read and talk about on this anniversary episode. And they... Um, chose uh, um marvel team up number 150 which is the last in the original run of marvel team up which is features spider-man and the uncanny x-men written by our queen wheezy simonson with uh greg larock as penciler mike esposito did the inks and uh bob sharon did the color art this was a very painful slog for me Thank you. I'm glad you said that. Yes, it was. I thought it was freaking rough. Uh, it's just a juggernaut trying yeah. to secure, and he does, the the gem of, of Cytorak. Yeah. And he thinks that by giving it to his, his boo, Black Tom, that it's going to make him everything that he wasn't, and it doesn't turn out that way. And uh, the X-Men enter the fray, and uh, it features a very matronly, rogue like you, you look at this rogue and you look at rogue now and it's like you you rogue's mom like are you are you going to zumba <laughs> that would be a mystique but it, you're right but i'm just saying it just does not it, it's not in line with anything we've we've come to know it's it was a very very hard read it's very wordy um, of the time very much tons of of yeah of alliteration tons of you know writing what's Reading blurbs it's describing what you're seeing on the page. Right. It was yeah. a forty page issue and it could have been done in a standard size issue without question. I mean there's a lot of stuff with Peter looking at his new neighbors, sunbathing on the Yeah. You know, it's it, it was I, I I don't understand <laughs> I mean, nostalgia's a wonderful thing, but I, I don't understand any kind of good vibes that may come of this issue. It's just, it, it, other than the Barry Windsor Smith cover, which is nice. Uh, yeah, I didn't come away from this issue um, having relished how I spent my my time reading it. Yeah, I concur. I I, I love you all, patrons. I really do, but I'm... I'm a little surprised. This is what y'all came up with. Yeah, it was tough. It was, <laughs> it was really tough. Yeah. I, I, um, in my mind, 
I like this a lot more than I thought I did. I it was because I, you know, this 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 pre web of Spider Man with the whole symbiote drama and 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 post Secret Wars. I loved it, and and I thought that. And there are a lot of Marvel team up issues that that are I'm I'm really fond of, and and I thought I like this issue more than I actually did because I haven't read it in God knows how many years, but I I don't remember it being this bad. Well, as the last issue in a long chain, I mean, it's a fitting last issue. The book was canceled. And they just they Marvel wanted to get that that extra seventy five cents out of you, you know. So it just actually and well, it was it was it was it had a few extra pages because it was a buck um, when everything else was seventy five cents. But oh, I um, thought it was no, it's a dollar. You're right. Yeah, I thought it was it, a buck fifty. But it's um, but there are certain things. Where, first of all, they 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 have footnotes where you know it it. It reminds you the last time Spider-Man and Juggernaut met were one of my favorite two-part stories with nothing stopped the Juggernaut. And, and that's when Juggernaut is, out, as he mentions in this story, he's after Madam Web. And um, that's that's a story that sticks with me to this day. And they kind of gloss over that. But, but even though Juggernaut wasn't exactly a mental giant in that story... Here he just seems to be extremely dumbed down, and there are moments where I would have thought that were were ripe for for typical Marvel scene changes, like when Peter's all mopey and his neighbors come downstairs and they notice the camera, um, which just happens to be hanging there, and thankfully that's where her eyes are pointed. But she's she's talking about you know well we work at the restaurant we have all this food and you know peter's got this face like he's in a hostess ad but but now he's 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 like okay well that's the best offer i've had all day and then we cut to the danger room and this was one of those moments where if this was written by stan or marv or anybody else you know that would have been the perfect time to have the narrator change the scene and and i was looking for that because i wasn't expecting to turn the page and and now we're in westchester and and at the school so there were just things that that just didn't for 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 some for a story written by louise simonson for um and and edited by by danny fingeroth just just this was not a this wasn't a very sharp or tight Marvel tale that 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 I would have expected, especially because I just I, I have a special place for for Marvel team up and and for this just to this, this just left me so wanting. I, I I was looking for things that I thought would have just made the story a little or move it along, and and it just did. None of it was there. It was um yeah I and and I I, I like Larocca. I've, I've whether he was on Legion, all the times he, he spent on Marvel Team Up, I I think he's a uh, he, he's I like his Spidey. I, I dig this work. Um, he draws a terrible, this, terrible um, Peter though. Uh, Rasputin, terrible. Oh God, yeah, 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 yeah. And I don't know what was up with that outfit. Too skinny, um, way too skinny. 
uh, the whole V-neck. I don't know what that that that's not. I but um and yeah, and this rogue is is just out of the Vermita Junior uncanny version with the with the big orange smock, but um and I don't remember Miss Me Muggins at all. I just I don't remember her as the landlord, but you know, there's just I it was just it was a silly story with, you know, him trying juggernaut trying to, you know, do right by Black Tom and 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 I gotta get him a present. Like like I don't I didn't Can I, I just, pet the I, puppy? <laughs> I'm like, right? I didn't realize he was on the spectrum, but it's just one of those things where it's like I don't I just Yeah, it it was it's it's weird. I'm sure when I was because I, I bought this off the damn spinner rack, and I, I, I probably with my young malformed head, I probably loved this issue at the time. And it's just now it, it's this is one of those things where there's there some you know you can go through your Marvel Masterworks or, or or your essentials, and you know some of the stories are of that era, and but there are parts of it, aspects of it that that, that may be a little timeless, and and you can just you know you're 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 brought back, and you can still it's like watching old movies. It's like, you know, okay, yeah, I can, I'm, I'm in the mood and, and I get it. But this, this is almost, this is unfortunately, this is almost like a chore. Yeah. Weird thing. I have three copies of this. I don't know why. That is a it's weird like thing. a bad penny. I just, and that's the thing. I like, if we were, if, if we were at a con and we were back issue diving, I'd be picking this up. If, if, if I found it in the three for a dollar bin, I'd, I'd come home with it just cause I'd want, you know, I'd want to recreate my, my Marvel team upset, but I don't know if I'd ever read it again. All right. Say lovey. We appreciate the, uh, the effort to pick something for us to read. Yep. They, they definitely did not go out on top, but that's okay. Thank Thank you. <laughs> Seriously, thank you for picking that. Um, it just, you know, reminds us that sometimes those rose-colored glasses are not, you know, you got to yeah. clean them off. The a little, little crack. Yeah. 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 Vince, you know when we had rose-colored glasses on? What's that? On December 24th, 2015. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was episode 400. And you were very happy. You know why? Why? Because we started off the show with the discussion of Dark Knight 3, The Master Race, number two. That's right, by bitches. Fr- by Frank Miller, Brain, Azarella, Brain, you're a brain. Oh, Andy really? Kubert. Yeah. Klaus Jansen, Brad Anderson, Eduardo Riso, and Trish Mulvihill. Then we went on to discuss Two Brothers by Fabio Moon and Gabriel Ba from Dark Horse, Ed Pisker, Fantagraphics, Secret Wars. Then we had a Marvel Orama featuring Squadron Supreme number one, Uncanny Avengers, Deadpool. Guardians of Infinity, number one. Wow. In Inhumans, number two. Venom Space Knight. Patsy Walker, a.k.a. Hellcat. Weird World, number one. Sam Wilson, Captain America. And more, three from Josh Bayer, the world's greatest living cartoonist, bloggers, number one. Truth. Trans- Transformer 2, Death Trip. And The Greater Good with Pat Alicio. Ivar, Time Walker. And Imperium from Valiant. Deep Dark Fears by Fran Case from Penguin Random House. Snowblind by Ali Masters and Tyler Jenkins from Boom. Get Hero Blood and Sushi by Anthony Bourdain. Rest in peace. Joel Rose, Ali Garza, and Jose Villarubia from Vertigo. Star Wars The Force Awakens and a whole mess more. Right. I like when you do this because I can go through and, and tell who picked what. Oh, sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, for sure. Easy. Yeah. Easy peasy lemon squeezy. Yeah. Well, we should bring it on home because by the time we do our in your travels, bop, 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 we're going to be three hours. Well, that's okay. 
That's all right by me. So before we do your travels, just remember that on October twentieth, two thousand seventeen, we had our five hundredth (laughs) episode, and you told everyone, "Hey, true believers, almost six hours of glorious reflection coming at you like Prince Tufton on a Kirby esque adventure." Somehow, some way, you've tolerated our meandering and pontificating for 500 episodes in nearly 10 years. This week, we celebrate the achievement and take a walk down memory lane with a handful of special guests, fun discussions, and historic callbacks. It's the old and the new plus return of the listener voicemails. I write some damn good copy when I want to. You do. You're inspired sometimes. Yep. 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 All right, everybody. Hey, thank you for being here with us on this, our historic 600th episode. We hope you join us for the next 600 because we'll be here. Uh, Solicit our sponsor if you want to get inexpensive comics and graphic novels and everything that's in the previous catalog. It's DCBService.com. That's DCB as in boy, service.com, where you can get Green Lantern Hardcover Volume 1 Intergalactic Lawman. For $12.49. The Immortal Hulk Volume 1. Please buy this. It's so good. For uh, $17.49. It's it's a hardcover that collects the first 10 issues of Immortal Hulk. And from Titan Comics. It's Ms. Tree Volume 1. Max Allen Collins. Terry Beatty. Dennis Collin does the cover. You can bring this sucker home for $12.49. DCBService.com. I have a new love. A new manga love. I should be very specific. It is by Sun Takeda. And it is called Gleepnir. Remember when this was one of our spotlight uh, books for the DCB service ads? Mm -hmm. Well, I got the first volume today and I devoured it. And it is... As we like to say, comics should be ridiculous. This sucker is all kinds of ridiculous. Mm-hmm. You have the protagonist, whose name is Suichi Kayaga. And he is a high schooler. He's very smart. But he's afflicted with a um, a malady that causes him to transform into a creature. He he can do it on on command. Well, at, at will, he transforms into a creature. But the creature is akin to a sports team mascot. He has suspenders and shorts, and he it's like a giant dog like creature. And he obviously he doesn't want anybody to know that he can transform into a creature. So he he keeps it on the down low, but um. He sees a building on fire, a little shack in the distance, and he goes in, and he, he doesn't like to transform into the creature because it's, it's, it's not something he relishes. It's, it's, very, it's not painful. It's just that he doesn't want to announce to the world, like, hey, I'm a freak. So he, he transforms and goes into this burning building, and he finds a, a, a young woman, and he saves her. And um, she's a nasty, vindictive SOB because he unfortunately leaves his phone at the incident and she backtracks it and um, he does something very appropriate for a teenage boy to do 
when he rescues her. Well, I don't know if it's it's not appropriate. It's it's in line with what a teen would do when confronted by a unconscious girl who's I'm not going to justify it. He he kind of looks at her body in a weird way when he saves her. And um it's very Japanese. And he she she threatens him. She's like, "I know your secret, dude." And her her name is is Claire. "I know your secret. You're my bitch now." And so now he's tied to this girl who is very um sadistic in the fact that she uses him because her sister also transforms into a creature and and the the sister killed the whole family and it's all tied to this weird little coin and what this this coin does is there there are, there's a vending machine that pops up at weird places and if you put the coin in a a, a man will emerge from the 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 vending machine through the damn slot in the vending machine and grant you powers and i I guess the sister wanted power um and she killed her parents so now claire is trying to find her sister and she's going to use suichi to find the sister but in the meantime there's a young girl named hikawa who's a, a runner and she wants to use sports to take her where she wants to go in life but unfortunately she ain't all that good and she finds a coin, puts it in the slot, and she's she she's granted these powers where she can run really fast, right? But she also kind of transforms into a, a creature along the way. So it push comes to shove, Hikawa confronts the two, and Claire notices that in the back of the suit there's a zipper. So she unzips the suit now remember this is suichi transformed into a creature she unzips the suit and she can climb into it and control the kid so they kill hikawa and there's there's a very nefarious cliffhanger which lends one to believe that the entire events of the story was manipulated by someone who wanted to get close to suichi but the art my god the art is amazing it's there's a lot of cheesecake in it but the rendering is impeccable like this this uh sun Takeda guy he's got a a handle on an anime this thing is just brilliant um it's it's off the beaten path where the, there are some themes in here that may rub you a little bit the wrong way especially in our politically correct um world in which we live but um i i i would implore you to if you like beautiful art i think you should check out gleepnir the story is great too but the art is is pretty phenomenal on this i'm hooked i want to see what happens especially with this cliffhanger i'm not going to reveal it but just read it it's pretty amazing so gleepnir by sun takeda from kadensha comics hey guys uh this is cole miller i'm calling from one of the only two places i listen to you guys my job and the other place would be a drawing table or the couch drawing. But just calling to say thank you. Thank you for the years of show. Thank you for opening my eyes to manga this year. Really appreciate it. And I'm trying to wrestle a skateboard away from my son 
so I can go down this ramp while I'm talking to you. Um, so hopefully I'll fall and it'll be funny. If not, here we go. Success. I miss, uh, wish you guys many more years of show. Um, thank you for the community. Thank you, uh, for connecting me to so many wonderful people that make so many great comics. And, uh, keep it up. Nice. Um, in your travels, um, I don't want to give it the short trip. I don't want to say Bronze Age bookies. I didn't, like I said, I didn't get very far. So it's not going to be my new travels. But um, another first issue that I did dig um, is the fourth entry in the Wonder Comics line, Dial H4 Hero, by uh, Sam Humphreys and Jose Quinones. And, um, I'm sorry, Joe Quinones. Um, it is, as far as a, a first issue with the hook goes, I, this did it for me. I, I've enjoyed the first issues on, on all the wonder comics so far. It's, um, Joe's art is, is fantastic. The, um, there's a scene where Miguel is our eyes and ears in uh, in this world of Devil's Devil's Canyon. Um, his parents are dead. Um, he's in Devil's Canyon, California, working at his uh, working for his uncle. His uncle owns a food truck called Mayo Madness, where they have mayo sandwiches, mayo fries, mayo soup, fried mayo on a stick. Um, and uh, he he met Superman once because it was an accident at the um, at the pool. Um, looks like he slipped, fell, hit his head. Um, Superman swooped down, brought him to the hospital. Um, and after that, um, you know, he he survived that accident um, and he lived. And and after that day all he wanted was to feel that rush again um so he's he he behaves somewhat recklessly uh they show him like backyard wrestling they show him skateboarding um jumping off of uh cliffs into ravines and he's going to um ride his bike down a ramp and um doesn't really work out too well for him. He starts to tumble and he's falling down into the canyon, but a red rotary phone mysteriously appears. Um, and the receiver yells out to Miguel that says, uh, if you want to live, you must dial H. So Miguel reaches for the dial, dials H for hero. Um, and he turns into monster truck. And Jimenez then draws these next few pages in a very extreme 90s style. Um, and also, like, signs each page, uh, as if he's Eduardo Rizzo. But it, it's, it's, a, um, it's a very 
dynamic, full page, um, full bleed images compared to the rest of the book, which of course is is uh, in Joe's style with with full borders and um, and when he does dial, we we get scenes of a bunch of different DC characters, all with the GHI and four appearing in their foreheads, uh, on their foreheads. Uh, we see Robin, we see Lobo, Snapper Carr, Angel and the Ape, Harley Quinn, and Alfred. Um, Alfred is on the phone saying, uh, you said to let you know as soon as I felt it again, the H dial is back. So the Wonder Comics line, of course, is part of the the, the main DC universe. This, this issue is... This title isn't proved to be any exception to that. Um, but yeah, it's... Uh, I can't say I've read every Dial H story. Um, I've always kind of dug the concept. It's 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 crazy, you know, that people would come up with, with, with throwaway characters for, for the sake of that story, and it just, you know, it did it works and it was of that era. Um, so I don't know if they're going to, I don't know how they're going to maintain it for this. Um, but I, I think it, it looks either, like I said, the, as far as the first issue goes, uh, I'm, I'm kind of hooked. Um, the last page has a, um, has a pretty neat, um, I'm not gonna call it a cliffhanger, but there's there's enough here where I think it, it's it's one of the better first issues where when you're done, you don't feel like you you were gypped or um, or shortchanged. There's there's enough here where I I really want to see where we're going with this. I do believe it's also a miniseries like Wonder Twins. I don't know 100 percent though. I haven't looked at the solicits to see, but. Um, I I dug it a lot so far. Like I said, as far as first issue goes, although the third issue of Naomi was was better than the second, um, and I have to read the fourth issue of Young Justice here. Um, so I, while I can't say that every issue in the Wonder Comics line has been a home run, what we've been given so far, there has um, it's. Overall, I've I've enjoyed it. So, um, but as far as first issue goes, I've really, really dug Dial H for Hero. All righty, um, and you are riding that Bendis train hard. But this is Humphreys. No, but it's Bendis's. It's a imprint. I know. Imprint. Um, cool. Uh, I got two things here for your travels because uh, one is super tiny, and I don't know if I'm going to remember to talk about it uh, unless I mention it tonight. Um, so first is uh, a little book called The Scar, uh, graphic reportage from the U.S.-Mexico border by Andrea Ferraris and Renato Chioca. Um, it's from a small press company called FU Press. It's uh, it, it's literally a small book. It's almost it, it, it's printed uh, square bound like a trade paperback, but it's basically like a mini comic. It's it's mini comic size. It's smaller form. It's probably like five by seven. Uh, size-wise, and it's, I don't know, 25, 26 pages of story, and it is, um, it's two comics, it's, it's, it's the story of, um, 
the night of October 10th, 2012, when a border agent in Nogales, Arizona, uh, shot through the border fence into Mexico, killing a 16-year-old boy named Jose Antonio Elena Rodriguez. Um, and then it's a story of uh, from 2017 when Ferraris and Shikoa, the creators here, actually went to southern Arizona to witness uh, things firsthand and their experiences there. So um, it's basically a story that inspired them, and then and then their follow-up where they actually got personally involved. It's uh, look, it's a, it's a comic of the time, right? It's very it's very much about one of the hot button socio political issues facing our, us as a country. And I thought it was very heartfelt and poignant and um, certainly has a specific political message to get across one that I wholeheartedly believe in. If it's a message you don't necessarily believe in, then this comic probably isn't for you. But once again, it is the scar graphic reported from the U S Mexico border. And it was $8 cover price. Uh, I know you can get it from in stock trades. I assume, I don't know if you can get it from Amazon. I'm not sure it might be too small, but definitely worth your time. Uh, and then a little meteor presentation uh, from Abrams Comic Books. Uh, a- Abrams Comic Art is their imprint of Abrams Books. And that is uh, A Fire Story by Brian Fees, a graphic uh, memoir of... Uh, it, Brian Fees is probably best known for his book, uh, Mom's Cancer. But uh, but this is a, a hardcover, uh, about 200 pages, that he wrote because, unfortunately, Brian... And his wife, Karen, lost their home to the California wildfires in 2017, burnt to the ground. So this is his It's a Slice of Life comic about uh, that event and their journey to uh, recover from that event. And believe it or not, um, for as tragic as it would be to lose one's home, I mean, because it literally burnt down to the ground, the thing that made me want to recommend this book is that Brian treats it in such a positive way. Um, there are certainly moments in their journey of abject sadness. How could there not be? It's the home that they raise their kids in and, you know, spend a lot of their adult life in. However, he really does spend most of the book talking about the, the bright side of appreciating what they still had and uh, the little victories of, like, finding little tchotchkes or memorably digging through the ash or um, or finally getting the financing in place to build their new home and, and, and being able to sort of create a dream home to, to rise from the ashes. So, so I, I found it terrific. And in, in the, in terms of the, the style, he is, um, it's relatively simplistic, straightforward line work, but, uh, it, uh, the book's presentation reminded me a lot of Chris Ware. Uh, there's a lot of infographics, a lot of creative ways to display the thoughts that were coming across or big moments of the, of the journey. Um, lots of different, um, he'll surprise you with some mixed media, every couple pages. So yeah, I thought it was a very accomplished book. It, it was, um, he's made his living as a graphic designer, so it's no surprise, but, but I just, I, I, the book I thought was maybe going to be a little too heavy. And then when I got done, I had a smile on my face because I thought good for them. I, I wish more people could, could, uh, make, make lemon lemonade out of lemons as they say. So yeah, so this is, uh, it's definitely worth your time. I found it a very uplifting slice of life book. And once again, it's called a fire story. Uh, by Abrams, uh, with uh, written and drawn by Brian Fees. Yeah, I don't know if I could see the bright side of my home being destroyed by fire. I, I think you'd have to <laughs> for 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 your for for your own sanity for for the sake of your family. I yes, it would absolutely 
be crushing, but I I think the only way you to get through it without being a walking mess would be to because you wouldn't have anything else but the bright side of things to look at. It's I I don't I and I wouldn't know until I'm actually in that position, but I I understand I think I understand the mindset of people who do look at things in a positive way when when something so catastrophic happens to them. Good on them. <sighs> let's hope up let's hope my friends we never have to deal with that. That's true. That's true. Yeah. All right, everybody. Hey, once again, we thank you so much for doing this with us. If you would like to uh, do more with us, well, you know what? There are other places in which you can do it. We got the Facebook groups going strong. We're on the Twitters. We have the uh, Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics, one, one, no apostrophe. We would love to have you, uh, the more the merrier, so to speak, and um, buckle up because we got a whole lot more of this coming up. We do. And shout out to Mr. Paul E. Briggs IV for uh, supporting us with his patronage. Yes, sir. Shout out to Paul. Yeah, that's nice. Thank you so much. Well, 600, better do it up. Say goodnight. We'll see you all back here at 1,200. Yeah. <laughs> Peace out until then. Say goodnight. 600. David. Oh. Uh, am I going to do all that? 600. David. Nice. There you go. That was a keeper. And uh, come back for more keepers because eh, you know what? We're only getting started. It's like butt Peter puppies. Parker. The butt puppies. No, we're not butt puppies. <laughs> like we are butt puppies. Oh, <laughs> I, yeah, I, a I, comma in there. I yeah. kind of like the. I kind of like it's, butt it's, puppies. It's a one T butt. <laughs> My butt puppies is barking. Holy shit! We're out of here. Say good night. Good night. Later, y'all. Hey, 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 guys! Chris Chavez, Equinox, on well, almost every forum calling in to wish you guys the best on an episode 600 love the show love you guys keep bringing the heat and if you guys are ever out on the west coast we got to get together and actually hit the wine country and not just the wine aisles at the store anyway much love guys take it easy bye